Season three, the return. Episode two. Episode two? The glory days. The glory days. The glory days. This is all your idea, Al. This is your child. This is your <laughs> adorable little munchkin. You know, you know when you have children and then you're like, I don't. maybe I should put you up for adoption. I don't. <laughs> I'm feeling that way about today's episode. No way. This is great. I want to start it off with this Craig Finn quote from Stay Positive. Hold steady, because I think we're going to come back to it. Is okay. that cool? Yeah, that's great. Is it cheesy? Yeah. Okay, cool. Good. <laughs> All right, so as Craig Finn says in his Bible called Stay Positive, there's going to come a time when the scene will become less sunny, it'll probably get druggy, and the kids will seem too skinny. There's going to come a time where she's going to have to go with whoever's going to get her the highest. There's going to come a time where the true scene leaders forget where they differ and get big picture because the kids at their shows, they'll have kids of their own. The sing-along songs will be our scriptures. We got to stay positive. You know what, man? I immediately retract that being cheesy because that's a pretty poignant viewpoint. I always think about that particular verse because it reminds me to, like it says, stay positive in a scene because we're in a scene. Uh, we were in a scene before we we retired. Yeah, well, Uh. we retired just on time too. The world (laughs) shut down. Uh, but yeah, the scene, the Los Angeles sunny music scene, which sometimes seems dr- too druggy. The kids seem too skinny, you know? Absolutely. And there should be a line in there about fads changing too quickly. Right. Because that tends to happen a lot in this city. Mm-hmm. A lot of bandwagon bands. Oh, if yeah, you big will. time. And I'm not saying that that's oh, a negative thing. We're going to talk about some bandwagon bands. We're today, definitely though. going to. For sure. And when we start to get too dark. Oh, right. Hold yeah, on. Please explain that to, to the listener. Let's give a little precursor to All right, the Yeah, we're jumping so in because I'm excited. It's the I, glory I, days. Man, I'm excited too. I'm excited to rummage through the attic of time. Right, the I good mean, parts. The good parts. Yeah, and that good box, and that the, shiny the good one. box. Oh, right, yeah, the untouched shoe box. <laughs> Maybe like, don't from touch like, that. It's still yeah. in its original packaging. If that's if you see a bunch of memories in like some in an Air Jordans box, that's how you know it's the good exactly. Shit. That's that's the nice stuff. So before we get too heavy, let's just do a little precursor on the right. Episode, right. So okay. So this this idea came to my mind uh, in a very desperate time, such as right now. Right. Um, and as I've learned recently, working some jobs just to stay afloat and sustain, all the good musicians in Los Angeles have gone to commercial sets to die. Right. Well, the bars are closed. The bars are closed. And so. if there was any money to make even before all this happened, there's definitely no money to make now. Right. Um, and guys, if you're listening out there, I'm only saying this halfway in jest and obviously uh, half in uh, hope for the future. Yeah. Um, so we don't actually die on set. We just go there to get our rocks off, get a little bit of cash, and totally. you know, you know, stay, yeah, keep the ship afloat. So mm-hmm. I showed up on set recently and found all of my favorite LA musicians on this job. <laughs> right, every single one of them, <laughs> uh, and uh, including a couple of people that you've played with for most of your life. Right, probably a couple of people here today. Yeah, completely. Oh, yeah. And all we did all day, minus the bare minimum of responsibility of to course. get the job done and right. go the fuck Probably home. Probably a couple free meals. Oh, yeah. Have a couple free meals, maybe flirt a little bit, right. maybe get yelled at, maybe have 15 people tell you that they're your boss. Yeah. Um, all we did all day was talk about the glory days. The glory The days. good times, dude. The hangs, the shows, the smoking on the balconies and the patios and not even watching your friends play. Exactly. Upstairs at Spaceland, smoking in the back, getting run by the Steve 
Steven Seagal lookalike on the pool table. Like right. all of the the <laughs> choicest hangs. Oh, big time. All we did all day on set was smoke and talk about the fucking glory days. And the only soundtrack that I had in the back of my head through all of this was, <laughs> and this might become a season three thing for me, because um, I, I need a new gimmick. You know what? Go ahead. Hit it, dude. Glory days. Well, well, I'll pass you by glory days. In the wake of the young girl's high glory days. Glory days. Oh, yeah. All I could hear was Bruce Springsteen's glory days in the back of my mind as I was going through this day on set with all my favorite L.A. musicians. And that spawned this episode. Episode 2, Season 3, The Goat Parade, titled The The Glory Glory Days. Days. Now, that Bruce Springsteen sample you just heard, we are going to be using that similar to how... Well, in a totally new way, actually. Not the same as the Radiohead episode. We're going to be using it to censor ourselves if we get to a story... During the glory days, that (laughs) seems like it might not be appropriate to be telling on a podcast. Yeah, also if things get dark. Yeah, well, I don't think it's going to get so much dark because it is the glory days, but it might get a little bit personal. It might piss off maybe... Uh, maybe person that is in a relationship with this. I don't know. It's sure. Just, it's yeah. censored. This this glory days. It's basically. A, I'm gonna sing it every uh, time. No, this is gonna I know be a you problem. Is gonna be a censor, and I have this sampler right in the middle of uh, between right. us. So either of us. What can number use is it. the sample on? Number nine. Okay, cool. Yeah, don't hit anything else. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but number nine. There's glory days. If I get out of line, you think I'm going to piss somebody off. If you get out of line, I'm going to hit the glory days. Okay, cool. We need to be able to keep this <clears throat> we have to keep PG-13. It, we get, yes, and we also have to keep it light. When I said go dark earlier, memories get scattered, man. Right. You know what I mean? Of course. And uh, because we're human and we're like these, these psychological experiments of taking too much in in our lifetimes... Um, I think sometimes when you go up to the attic to start sorting and you see that Air Jordan box filled with all these good memories, you lift it up and you're like, oh my God, remember this time? But also this person fucked me over. You know what I mean? Sometimes they're just, they're conjoined, they're intertwined. Sometimes the dark and the light are inseparable from one another. I get you, I get what you mean. So So if you're like, man, this was such a good time, but that one motherfucker. Glory days, don't let it. That's the sensor. That's the sensor. Love it. What we're actually going to be talking about today, y'all, is some of our favorite bands that we've either shared the stage with or friends that were in the scene with us or memories, you know, um, acquainted with these songs that we brought in. This is an entire Listomania-themed episode. Of the glory... uh, Mostly L.A. local bands. Mostly. I I mean, pretty much all L.A. local. I brought in one Austin, Texas band just because I toured with them for a long time. That makes sense. So it was part of the glory. All of mine are definitely L.A. local So, yeah, about 90% Los Angeles local bands that have either gone on to be super successful... Or, or had happened. one single. And you know? it's a crime because yes. all these all these tunes are fantastic. So we each brought in 10 tunes, and we're just going to be talking about some memories. Maybe we'll talk a little bit of our own history, too. Yeah, we're, we're going to. And I you know what? I'm going to be a little bit more honest than I usually am on here. No, you're not. I'm going to be... <laughs> That's, you can't trust anyone who says shit like that. <laughs> no, I am. Because it's not the pod fest, all right? These bands didn't submit their songs, and True. we're not gushing over them. Right. We didn't ask... Like, this is... 
this isn't solicited. So if you or me play an act that you're like, you know what, I fucking hated that band. <laughs> we, uh, there's not a single. I listened to your list last night. There's not a single band that I hate on. Okay, there. well on your list, I actually really hate. Oh! And I don't like. Oh! And it's those sons of bitches. In. Oh! This is gonna be so perfect. <laughs> Oh no 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 no! Oh, it's also Cam, I've never liked any band that you've ever. Um, uh, so new music going on. Let's talk only locally since we're okay. Since we're um, we're not going to play any goat worthies because we have so much of this glory days list to get to. But let's talk a little local, little local flavor. Okay, cool. What yeah. have you been? What have you been vibing? I've been on? listening to the two new Just Joy singles, like okay. Mad, obviously, because I only talk about a few people. I talk about Junico. I talk about Just Joy. You know, locally speaking. Right. So, um, I've been listening to two, her two new singles. She just, I believe, signed to Joyful Noise. Okay, which wow, is great. really cool. Which is a perfect home for her nice. uh, and her music and it is just so well deserved i'm not familiar with the roster on that label it's uh, um it's deer hoofs oh wow, I, cool. I think deer hoof affiliated they're on that label i'm cool. not quite sure if they sounds familiar it yeah. is, yes very um but her new, latest single that came out i think only freshly like about a week and a half ago is called threshold cool Th- with threshold but with an a threshold, threshold. Gotcha. yes um, and it's a beautiful, political, feministic poem about basically maybe even relinquishing a lot of these heavy things that have happened and just trudging forward. So, nice. um, yeah, a lot of uh, 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 she drops George Floyd's name. She talks a lot oh. about, you know, the ownership of all these things and. Uh, and her dealing with that process. She's a very vulnerable poetic writer, and that means the fucking world to me. So yeah, um, what have you been listening to? Locally, I've been really digging uh, Dream Demons' Ooh. second EP. Um, their, their chain letter act, uh, as you know, Ben Haywood, who's in of Giant Waste of Man with yeah. me. Uh, it's his project with a uh, number of other musicians from... Around LA, around there's some Seattle. They, they just all get together and record when they can, and they have four EPs coming out. I think, I think that's kind of the like entirety of the project. That's the way to do it, too. And it's just they're dropping them a couple months apart. And the second one just came out, and uh, I love the first one. The second one I like even more. Um, it's got a little more flavor of one of the writers, Scott Mercado, who's in the band, who's also working with our Giant Waste of Man project. Oh, cool. His song "Salt and Sea" is incredible. Uh, Ben's song on there, A Cynical Debt, is my favorite of any of theirs I've heard so far. It really... sounds like a very Ben song. It is, it is indeed. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, just a lot of different variety to to hear in that. Also, Chain Letter, while we're on that subject of that local label, uh, also dropped Daisy's new album Ooh. earlier this year. I love Daisy. Late... You actually introduced me to Daisy. And it's fantastic. It's just completely hard-hitting um just, did i see daisy play at a facial show way yes back when? they, they yes. play they always play on the ground they don't play on right. the stage yes and it's always a, a good that band rips yeah, that was a really great rip. set yeah yeah so yeah i've been listening to those two local releases mostly i mean as far as local flavor goes cool uh junico did just put out a new song to oh, really? go back to my obsession yeah nice. blue room um, and that came out also a couple weeks ago. I believe there's another single coming next week too. So people yeah, are really starting to get that it's machine chugging back again. out. Yeah, yeah the music's starting to starting to show. Are you feeling the whiplash yet? What do you mean? Like the whole world opening back oh, up, yeah. and you're like, oh, 100%. what the fuck am I supposed you know, to do now? Yeah, like the whole a year ago, I was like, oh no, 
I think the world's going to shut down. And now a year later, you're like, oh, no, oh, no I the think the world's, world's going to open up. up. Um, so, yeah, I'm feeling the whiplash, too. Yeah. And to all my anxious homies out there, to all my confidently anxious people out there who are also feeling the whiplash, who aren't sure if they're ready for the world to open back up, here's to y'all motherfuckers. Let's yeah. go ahead and give them, let's give our other anxious homies a round of applause. There's no reason not to feel anxious. Yeah, it's why, fucking scary. Yeah. It's weird. It's been a year. Yeah. I mean, it's been a year of this stuff. Uh, There's a reason nobody talks about the Spanish flu of 1918. because yeah, right. nobody ever wanted to fucking think about it again. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Otherwise, it would have been taught in grade school, and yeah. it certainly wasn't. So like, let's just act like that. Never All happened. Never happened. And continue <laughs> living. Are you excited to play shows again? Of course. Yes, I mean, it was such, it's weird that I'm not more excited, but it has been long enough where it's not a part of my DNA. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel like anymore. Where I, I used to get stressed out if I didn't sh- play a show a month. Me too. Like, Same. I was like, dude, Same I, need, I need to play a show or else I'm, I need to get this out. It was a way to, it's a way to get not only anger out, but like just just like energy, just like be- anything pent up inside you. Absolutely. You know? Well, with anything that you do, um, you know, in a customary fashion or do enough to where it becomes habitual, uh, it's... It, it's hard to just completely stop that. You become functioning. Mm-hmm. You're like a you were a functioning gig addict, totally. you know. And it was the same with me and with everyone else. Um, so when you weren't playing one show a month, things felt weird. Like there was this this gap month that you didn't get anything done and you didn't have that release. Yeah, you because, felt worthless, right? And you'll understand that history as we go through our glory days because <laughs> yeah, you'll right. hear all the bands we've played with, the history of our playing. I think you're going to start it off. Is I am going to start it off, and I also want to put a disclaimer here. I'm getting a feeling. What do you I mean? W- I, I just want to go ahead and call this out. Y'all, I, to the listener, I'm not speaking to you right now, okay? Because okay. this is about you. <laughs> <laughs> I brought this idea in because I just wanted to kick back and talk about the glory days, and I think Cam's about to pull his own chain for a little while. No way. Yeah, you dude, put more of my songs you're in gonna, my playlist, in your playlist than, my, than I that's did. That's actually two. I, 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 true. I did bring two of you, your I songs. I did two as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know you did. <laughs> you son of a bitch. I mean, I was in too many bands. I've looked through all the bands i'm like i'm in most of these hey can i kill the mood really quickly sure go for um, it. i have to do one thing because i'm out of options here oh boy like we were just I'm gonna talking get my finger on the no, no yeah okay before we jump into today's episode i have to do a shameless plug i okay, have yeah, to do it because there's no other point to sit here with ladies and gentlemen the sultry voiced post-punk king of los angeles in the overly verbose southern tinge coachella veteran (laughs) it gets me every time uh there's no point if i'm not exercising my perks um i need a band so Uh if you're a drummer a lead guitar player or a keys player and you like playing really strange goth punk, please hit me up. Okay, that's it. That's all I wanted to say. If you're a drummer, also move to Los Angeles because we're out of <laughs> We're out of drummers. <laughs> we're fresh out. <laughs> it's insane. All right, now that I've killed the mood. I love that, though. Like None of us have ever used this forum like a one Never. As, and honestly, I've been doing Craigslist posts, and it's really Oof, depressing. Yeah. It's so depressing. Because all my homies this is a better, are this is a better. Dude, all my homies are busy, and I'm right. not trying to hit up my busy friends. Also, I believe in my homies' projects, so I would never be like, hey, you want to take a couple weeks to do this? Nah, focus on your own shit. I need new blood. If you're out there listening 
and you want to play with old Uncle Al, it's fucking time. Shows are coming back. 25% cap, baby. Let's yep. hit that. Let's get those 10 peeps through the door. Let's get to the mountaintop of that 25% cap. <laughs> the crest. The crest of the cap. There's a better way that I could have said that joke. That wasn't it. <laughs> no, that was good. Okay, now do we get into the... Glory days. Well, I'll pass you by glory days. And a wink of a young girl's high glory days. Glory days. Oh, yeah, I never should go for my falsetto. <laughs> okay, so am I starting this off? Uh, explain how you're doing. Listen, man, I just wanted to talk about some groups and the, uh, I couldn't fit all my friends on this list. I wanted, no, I couldn't. I, I had a hard 15 songs on mine and weeding it down to 10 was the hardest I've ever had with any of our lists. Honestly, to be honest, I didn't even really put friends on this list. This, that would be a completely different place. Yeah, no, this me. isn't about friends. This is about your glory days. So <laughs> this is about us on our journey to becoming the troubadours that we are right <laughs> Absolutely. Now. You know what I mean? Yes. I hit Los Angeles, from Fullerton, California, after mm -hmm. my parents had divorced in Tennessee and my mom remarried. Um, I had spent some time there, but I didn't hit L.A. until about 2006, 2007. Let's back up then. How long were you in just Fullerton? Minus some stints, which I won't get into right now, mm -hmm. um, about seven years. And how many times did you play the slide bar? <laughs> Not until I left Fullerton, unfortunately, because oh. then I would have been the king of DTF, baby. Oh, and that's time. not down to fuck. That's downtown Fullerton. What about Continental Room? Oh, I've played Continental oh, way too many times. Me too. But again, all later. Didn't hit LA until 2006, 2007. I was fresh out of rehab. And I had no idea what I was going to do with myself, as I still don't. But I figured I'm not going to stay in Fullerton. I'm not going to go back home to Nashville. Yeah. I'm just going to go right down the street. I'm going to L.A. At that point, I hadn't really invested myself in wanting to be a musician. My father was a country musician who not only ruined his own career, but his marriage with my mother. So that at the time didn't appeal to me, and it didn't for right. so many years. Like, I mean, my first instrument was a pair of Funkmaster Flex decks, Newmark decks, oh, wow. like a battle pack. So okay. I, I had no, like, when I moved to L.A., I had no aspirations of becoming a musician. I knew my instrument you know, decently because I grew up in Nashville. My father played and I was always just by proximity playing. So for the first couple of years I was here, I just went to shows like a normal plebe. You know, I had, again, no dreams or desires to be on stage. But I moved to L.A. I started going to Musicians Institute, the, oh. uh, the, the world famous. <laughs> Unfortunately, Al left Listen, the building. Man, I have to get a new co-host. I didn't know not, he was an MI kid. That's not. Do you have MI people listening to this? I can't no, have that. No, absolutely that's horrible not. No, I, don't I don't associate with any of those people. And honestly, I when own, you got accepted to MI, did your guitar get a seventh string? That's Just so like funny right that then? you said got accepted to MI. Like you have to fill out an application for it. Um, I went to the. Yeah, you walk by on Hollywood Boulevard, and they're like, "You want to go in Ripley's or MI?" <laughs> I went. Sorry, to, this is hard. No, I'm no, 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 so no. Harsh. This is funny. This is funny. This is what we're here for. It's not necessary. Listen, dude, I didn't know what I wanted to do. It was a six months music business certification course. <laughs> I'm laughing. I went to Crass. It's which hilarious. Is a nine month yeah, one. absolutely. So fuck me. No, right? dude, this is all really funny. And the only reason I'm giving this precursor is because when I moved to LA, I started going to a bunch of shows. 
You know, okay, as an MI kid, where did you go to shows? Uh, space. Cine- See, Cine- the thing space? is, is I was 18 years old, uh-huh. but I had a fake ID. It was a real ID. So I could okay. only go to scanner places gotcha. where they, they didn't actually look at your ID. They just scanned it. They realized it was a real ID and they let you in. Right. I was Mark Allen Gallagher from Phoenix, Arizona. I was like <laughs> 35 years old at the time. I had puka shells on and my ID photo and bleach blonde tips. I don't know how the fuck it happened, but I was going to Spaceland a lot. <laughs> at that time because Spaceland has always been a scanner bar. They never look at your shit. Again, all of this just to say that I fast forward, I left LA a couple of times. I went to Hawaii for a year. I went to Nashville for a year, but I didn't start gigging until about 2011. Okay. So my list is going to be kind of focused on 2011 to let's say 2017. Okay. Just six years. <clears throat> Which so, I know your gap is going, or your rather, the, your allotted time. I'm doing frame. 2019 or 2009. 2019. <laughs> that was it. Just uh, just one decent year. 2009 to 2019 mm-hmm. would be mine. Which yeah, I mean, I saw Vanna Prosta before I even knew you guys. Right. And that's again kind of to circle back to this history lesson, which I'm not, you know, insanely proud of or anything. It's just I was because I was in this program, I was out and seeing music. Mm-hmm. And so I've I've had a gist of the LA scene for a while, even if I was only gigging in it for again, six, seven years. Yeah. Versus your twenty-five years. <laughs> Come on, 10. Which is crazy. I can't believe you played the Whiskey A Go Go in 1982. I've never played the Whiskey Motherfucker. (laughs) Neither have I. Congratulations. Actually, dude, cheers, buddy. It's a no no these days. Around okay. here. Okay, so should we should we just get into this? Yeah. So what's your what's your number ten? What this would be? Okay, so my number ten, and we just have to talk about them because you can't talk about the LA music scene over the past <clears throat> you know ten odd years without talking about everyone's favorite handsome electronic indie experimental pop act. The medium hairs. I call them the medium. But they don't. They're, you know. Every, all bands seem the to have medium long hair. hairs. Gotcha. Everybody's like, "Oh, you long hairs," but they're not no, the long hairs. No, they're, they're the medium, they're medium hairs. hairs. They keep and it, You know what? They, they keep play. It tight. Yeah, they play it. <laughs> they play it to their advantage too. Oh, yeah. And of course, everybody, if you've been hiding under a fucking rock for the past again decade, we're talking about the one, the only James Supercade. One of my favorite local bands. Of course, and some of my best friends in this goddamn town. Yeah, absolutely. And I've become friends with them later in the years, but when. This record came out, I believe it was 2016. I believe it was. Uh, when this record came out, it was everywhere. And right. it was the billboard life. You know yeah. what I mean? They had that prime. They had the billboard. They had the prime billboard. Was It It was one, so prime. It was the one over Pizza Buona at Echo Park Boulevard right, right in Alvarado. Mo- right? You could see it if yeah. you were drinking outside Mohawk Bend. Classy. Classy. Super classy. Way to spike up those sales, too. I hope it did, because I honestly, think that was the whole advance. Dude, the, <laughs> the record was perfect. Um, the record is perfect. It's a really good record. I mean, um, I've actually really enjoyed their EPs since. Absolutely. Um, no, I have too. Especially the Alarm Will Sound EP. That's my personal favorite release of Super Caves. I just think every song on that hits so well. Also, they're, I mean, obviously, I'm stealing your thunder here, but my Super Cave history is insane because Joaquin used to be my, or lived in the same apartment as me when Vonna Prosta started. Right. So 
before there was a super cave, it was just Joaquin finding members, which we knew Pat. He was always playing with Pat, and they were called Pigeon. I told the Lobston story on our podcast. Right, you did. Yes, you certainly did. Um, And then they were masks. Once they got Andy in the band, they were masks forever. M-A-S-X-S. It was really hard to say. Max. (laughs) Masks. Yeah. But Mass was good and it was kind of indie, like a um, little darker indie rock. But then when, when they changed to Super Cave, I was like, oh, this sound's getting like really. And they really took time with it. Absolutely. Like, you could say this happens a lot in LA. People get precious about their stuff, they work it forever. You never end up hearing it. Of course. And I was yeah. almost worried Super Cave might turn into that right. with how precious they were. And I how, think we've all been guilty of that absolutely. too. Everyone here but it, in this room. This is an example of it was worth it. It was yeah, worth the time absolutely. it took because the album is just... Well, again, there's no rhyme or reason for me putting it at 10. It's just... An, and this uh, album we're talking about is Better Strange. Better Strange. And let's go ahead and jam a clip of this tune. This song is off of 2016's Better Strange. It's called Get Over Yourself. is because in 2016, when you wanted to look to a distant beacon in the future and think, do I have a future in this industry or what am I trying to aspire to be? Super Cave was one of the top three bands that you thought of. Right. Um, at least for me, you know, like totally. they, they had it all. They, it had, was, yeah. they had the tunes, they had the show, they had the talent, you know. Yeah, they, the, they, show is, the show has always been good. Incredible. It has been it's, jaw-dropping every time I've seen yeah. it. And I, I guess I have, I have a much layered, much more layered history. Of course it. you do, because uh, you've been doing this for a really long time. But in Facial, Facial 2016 also in a lot of ways felt like Facial's year. That right. was the year we had the most momentum, I would say. Same, that in 2017. Same here with my group at that time. It seems like it was a good year for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And Jay, the other principal, well, we were all three were songwriters, but me and Jay kind of were like the, the singers of Facial, essentially. Right. Um, Jay had recently quit James Supercave. Oh, two okay. Two years prior to Copy release. that. And he he was involved with the writing process of a lot of these songs. He's think, If you look at the back of the album, it's just, there's a big thank you to him and everything. You know, for me, I was kind of sensitive about how good they were doing because I'm like, is Jay okay with the fact that he essentially kind of chose chose me or chose me and Sam and facial? Like, like, does he regret that? And he never did because Jay's not that type. He just, you know, he he moves he moves with the wind. What, of what, course, yeah. He's more bohemian than me. He's less, you know. Frantic. If he's, if he's feeling, yes, <laughs> I'm like desperately uh, trying to I, explain. Did this. I do the right thing? Yeah. Right. So, so it was. I was always really proud of Super Cave success, but I always was like, "Damn!" And the funny thing is, I mean, this is how layered this history is. To replace Jay when he was not playing bass, they picked up Colin, who I used to play with in Von Prost. Of course, and who's now in Low Home. <laughs> right. And yeah, obviously, I had a Super Cave song on mine as well. Yeah. I went way more obvious with the right thing because that's kind of like their big banger. Of course, their prog banger. Right. But I love this song. That you I went with in. this tune just because it's like a catchy, no fuss. Kind of yeah, it's kind of tune. a deep cut, but also yeah. still totally catchy. Well, when I was actually on set 
talking about the glory days, which spawned the glory days, Joaquin was one of them. Oh, so wow. Okay, that's great. also kind of why I wanted to put this in there, just because it felt nice, you know. And Joaquin and I have never. I really, miss Joaquin. He's fantastic. Yeah, I we've we've only been in each each other's six degrees of separation for so long. I was never able to play with James Supercave because the band I was in at the time was like the dad rock band of Echo Park. We weren't no. the cool mid hairs. You guys you know were definitely mean? hot as fuck for a minute. We were hot, but like we were a quote unquote rock band we didn't have that electronic sentimentality i like to think you guys wrote a line that was like k-rock or kcrw which is sure. exactly what you're trying to do yeah in the indie rock scene in very um, true yeah in la especially at that time on the east side so i, I wouldn't i wouldn't beat yourself up about that <laughs> it's just it seemed like there were two subsects of bands at that time actually it seems like there are a lot of clicks in los angeles oh yeah i mean we can just go ahead and kind of a veer off subject through each of these tunes too like that was the thing like you have your prog people you have your neo soul people you have your rock bands uh you have your very like unabashedly indie bands quote unquote you know it seems like there's all these factions of where these bands break off and they end up playing with you know a few other specific bands to create like microcosms of scenes too yeah. which is cool you know it's like that's how you form relationships with people like uh, facial playing with daisy or yeah and like the chain letter collective exactly. everybody kind of like playing shows together right. and yeah. putting on showcases together right all the way back in vana prosto was well we'll get to it we'll get to yeah. it <laughs> let's move on yeah because yeah. we've got so much shit to love do. super cave so Shout do out I. to Joaquin, Andy, Pat. One of the best, I'd, I'd, out of all the years I've been seeing shows, James Supercave is one of the most astonishing L.A. bands that I've ever seen in my yeah, life. Yeah, couldn't be And they've transcended. They've gone global and, you know, and, yeah, they've, they've done their thing. They're not, it feels weird calling them like a local band, but. Yeah, they've, they've proved themselves beyond that. They have, yes. Um, another, okay, moving on to number nine, again, no rhyme or reason here. I just really loved this guy. Um, when I started seeing him play at around the 2013, 2014 mark, you guys remember green Jerry? Oh, of course. So I really enjoy, and I has, have always enjoyed Jerry's songwriting. Me too. Um, uh, big time. Actually, and like this song immediately when I first I, too, I saw him yeah. live and I was late to the Green Jerry party opposite here. Like, right. I don't think I saw him till around 2015. Gotcha. Right at the beginning. I think we played one of those Chinatown bus the, bands. Su the summer nights. Yes. Yeah. And, and they were on they were on first in the daytime and we all came early because Taylor was friends with Brian. And, right. Who was playing. Brian Randall was yeah, playing bass. And in Andrew, Green Jerry. Who, who is Jerry. Uh-huh. Right. Uh, I was immediately like this. For some reason, seeing him live, they just reminded me of like television. Yeah, and definitely. I think I don't really feel that way anymore, but that was my initial thought. I was just like, this is too cool for school, man. It is kind of cool for school. Yeah, but he has a great sensibility in his songwriting. And let's hit this clip. The song's called Mumbo Jumbo, and it came out as a single in 2014. I will go home. I will go home. Mary the wall and a stick in the mud. Such time has been wasted on I 
actually had them on the last iteration of the Goat Parade. I had, you had Andrew and Brian? I did, yeah. Do I call him Andrew or Jerry? I never knew either. <laughs> like, yeah, like I just, I've been it calling him. It didn't seem to care either way. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I, I've been calling him Jerry for so long. Because, again, guys, that was so Green cool, Jerry. Though. Yeah, Green Jerry was one of those bands that the Dead Ships played a bunch of bills with, especially in those right. early years around 2012, 2013, 2014, 20, yeah, I guess around those two to three year times and i always enjoyed playing with them mm-hmm. and this is kind of more my vibe with this list is like the bands that i was stoked to see no matter yeah, totally. what tier or level they were if they were playing if we had an open slot we'd ask every time i'd see them on a bill especially if it was a free show i'd be there you know what i mean totally and green cherry was always one of those bands for me and i fucking love this song mumbo jumbo so if you guys haven't heard it out there in its entirety please go listen to it um, the outro is just this big swelling buildup of it all sounds the same. Yeah. And I love that because repetition is also change, I think, philosophically for right. me. So it really attracts me in that regard. Nice. Um, so yeah, uh, that was Green Jerry's Mumbo Jumbo. Uh, moving along with just artists that have inspired me over the years of right. gigging before I retired, mm-hmm. obviously. Uh, hot MT because Interesting, yes. you I'm, can't live in Los Angeles and not know who Hot MT is. I like this song you brought. It's it was, incredible. I've never heard it. It might be kind of whack for me to bring an instrumental in no. as like the first Hot MT. You know, I, I, I guess love a good instrumental. I mean, so do I. But as far as an introduction to the listener for what I'm trying to convey, such as the talent of all these bands that have inspired me as a musician over the years, it might not be the best thing to bring. But this song, let's hit a snip of it. You want to hit that snip? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the song's called Country Cub, and it's off of 2012's I Made This. So Ashley and Spooky, the two main songwriters and, mm-hmm. and lead purveyors or proprietors of this group, I've known and loved for years. Yeah. And the Dead Ships, when we were gigging, uh, ended up playing a lot of shows with them too. And it was just another band where every time we got put on a bill together, I was that much more excited about the show. Right. Uh, and they've gone on to release some incredible records over the years. Now, am I wrong that they are part of the local venue Non plus ultra. Oh yeah, they're, they're, they're it part. was their creation. It was their creation. Yeah, yeah I, it was their great. creation. So now, big, big deal here because that, that place, deal. that place was an absolutely enormous DIY spot, and especially it still in is. its first iteration. Absolutely. Um, I, I mean, we had a show, facial had a show book there. Very excited, right. and it, it got canceled because they closed right before, like two weeks before we had was the it show. the first location. Yeah, it was so cool. Mm-hmm. This venue, non plus ultra, that we're talking about, and maybe we shouldn't directly correlate names with this yeah there we go now we're using it they started this incredibly diy space and they opened their doors to almost every band that wanted to play bands how many bands first shows do you think have been played in non-plus yeah the inclusivity there is so beautiful the shows are either free or five bucks just to pay the rent yeah and it was one of the only examples that the scene had at that time for that type of venue 
Um, and it's grown. I think le- it, it got too big because like the OCs played it. Right. Exactly. It was just- oh no, they had Broncho and OCs and like a bunch of people on the level play it because mm-hmm. you know John Dwyer and the OCs they're used to playing shit like that and so yeah. is Broncho. It's just a house show basically. Totally. They love that shit. They love it. Um, I just wanted to bring in Hot MT and talk about them um, because seeing them own themselves so much at the beginning of that time in the scene for me again this record was 2012 i didn't start gigging till 2011 so this was one of those groups where i was like really immersing myself in the scene and getting to know everyone that i just latched onto inspirationally speaking right um and also there was some lore surrounding them too like they drove to Wayne Coyne's house to give him a birthday present on his <laughs> I birthday. Remember hearing about it, yeah. You remember hearing about yeah, this, I right? Do. So they handmade him a birthday present and drove it all the way to Oklahoma City and gave it to him. And he's like, you guys want to come in for some tea or something? So they ended up, I think, actually maybe writing a track with him. I feel like I heard something about yes. that, yeah. The, the lore, this is one of my favorite parts about today's episodes, Yeah, is the mythologies surrounding some of these groups and people right. and we all have our own yeah you know what i mean like you're sure there's you're the post-punk king of los angeles <laughs> and people talk about you behind your back oh good as the day is long and when people see me they're like oh you see that guy across the street with the receding hairline i think he played coachella i think once. he played coachella <laughs> once he basically opened for Guns N' Roses. <laughs> oh, um, my God. Okay, so now we get into number seven, but okay. numbers... Yeah, yeah, numbers don't matter. Numbers don't matter. And this song is from L.A.'s preeminent crooner who is doing things under a different project name now, I believe under the name of Faux Pre, and you should check out anything he's about to put out. We are talking about the one, the only, Bradley Hannon Carter and his group, No, which would then become Black English at a later date due to a little bit of a mix-up at the label. But we... just straight up, the name No is already taken. (laughs) Yeah, right. So they changed... They changed mid... Talk about lore. Talk about lore. That's, yeah, that's what I want to talk about. And from this record, this record was put out in 2014 after they had been playing shows for so long. <clears throat> and again, when I talk about Ellie's preeminent crooner, I speak of Bradley Hannon Carter, who fronted this band. And he is just one of the most mythical Kiwis I've ever met in my entire life. He's the nicest New Zealander you'll ever meet. He's a sweetheart. The biggest sweetheart. He writes incredibly moody music that really touches and checks off a lot of the boxes necessary for this genre. So before we go any further, let's play one of the choice selects from this record. The song's called Stay With Me. Stay with me wasn't there a place for me inside your heart? Stay with me. We were never meant to be apart. Stay with me. Won't you run away with me when life gets hard? Stay with me. We were never meant. So I, let's see, I'll put this, I, yeah, I love Bradley, total sweetheart, love Sean Stentz. Oh, yeah. Plays bass. Of course. Um, 
love everybody I've really met in this band from this iteration. And I, of course, this sound, I'm a huge fan of the inspiration that it obviously is coming from with the band The National. Of course, yes. I think they're one of the best bands of my generation. Now, that all being said, I don't ever... I'm sorry, but I... I had to cut you off. Uh, I had I to cut you off there. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> we're, we're, we're using this appropriately. Um, uh, yeah, sorry. That was probably... Thank you for cutting <laughs> me off. You go ahead. No, you go ahead. Uh, the reason I bring... I would end up living with Bradley Hannon Carter for a year of my life in the famed Waterloo house. I think most people have, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, we've all lived with a lot of people. We've lived with a lot of yes, people. Yes, right. Because it's been completely... But the Waterloo house did have quite the cast. Oh, the Waterloo house. It was house. like it couldn't find the right cast of characters for a show so they kept trying new ones exactly and then it settled on something so perfect right. for about a year of our lives um so the first time that the dead ships ever played a show with no um i heard them making fun of us backstage <laughs> after the show uh Devil McCluskey, great songwriter, Dead Ships. Damn it, I missed the glory days on that. One. Uh, no, it's okay because this is kind of funny. And this is just one of those things where, like, when two bands play together that aren't necessarily matched up perfectly and there's a little bit of a pissing contest oh, involved, big time. what's funny about all that is that life does end up finding a way. Like, again, not even. I don't know, three or four years after I heard them making fun of one of our songs post-show, I end up living with the guy and learning everything about him and <laughs> falling kind of madly in love with him. He you know what great, I mean? Yeah, he's a great dude so, and super driven. Like, even now, he's got a new project in, like, an Airbnb, yes. musician's Airbnb. And his new project, again, y'all, is called Faux Pre. I'm going to try to plug these musicians as much as oh, possible. Yeah, of course. Not that they need it, but just, you know, we're here. plug his Airbnb. <laughs> I don't know what what's it called. Jacuzzi Moon. Jacuzzi Moon in... You can look at it on Instagram. In, uh, just type in, in Jacuzzi Yuc Moon. In Yucca Valley. Yeah, it's yeah. beautiful. It's, it's sensational. I, it it looks, looks like a paradise. It looks incredible. That's also kind of funny to go back to that a little bit because we're talking about the scene and bands and whatnot. You meet a lot of your your future friends for the first time under weird guises, oh, just yeah. as playing a show together for the first time. I mean, how time. many bands, their story is like they met the other bandmates by seeing them in a different band being like, hey, you guys are shit. It's like every classic British band. Right. Like, oh, I met oh, him. Mate, I told him his band's fucking shit. <laughs> oh, mate. Uh, yeah. What a fuck. You even. Oh, mate. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> and we're the LA version of that where and, we talk shit backstage and you walk in, you're like, oh, bummer. I heard that. Yeah. I'm still going to grab a beer, though. <laughs> right. Uh that's what I miss about like let's let's just hone it back into the glory days too. That's what I miss yeah. about the glory days is that sense of temperamental ego associated with that first boost that you got uh -huh. as a band. Like the oh, I first got, I got one that I'm, I want to bring up with you later in my list. I can't wait that we've never talked about. Oh shit! Yeah, and and there's a little bit of there's a little bit of a thing tension. There. Yeah, fuck yeah, and let's talk it about up. it. Okay, and that's what you know. Okay, uh, do we need to? No, we don't <laughs> no, need no, to. No, 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 we're okay. Um, the reason I talk about like the whole them making fun of us behind you know post show backstage is again like that maybe meant something to me then, but it meant nothing in the end. 
Oh, of course, yeah. And that's kind of how I feel about the glory days, you know? Right. Which is almost, to get real fucking cheeseball, is the basically the premise of Bruce Springsteen's glory days anyways. You know what <laughs> well, I mean? Well, you chose that. It was a good choice. I did, yeah. It was a good no, choice. Right, yeah. Let's move right along. Hey, oh, dude, boy. I wonder, I oh, wonder if you know this next band that I'm about to talk about. Um, it, it sounds like it would be up your alley, but I'm not, I'm not quite sure. This band is called Sundrug. Oh, that's right on my FM Avenue right yeah, there. Yeah, I think, I think it is. And uh, before we even get into this, let's just play a little snippy town of Soaked by Sundrug, y'all. It's Okay. Also, if oh, you, thank God. yeah, if this, you, this has gone on way too long without any of my <laughs> yeah, music in it. Right. Exactly. So, now God, talk about this. you gloating. Uh, if you guys have been in Los Angeles for a while and you don't respect your elders, uh, we need to talk about a little group by the name of Sundrug, formerly known as FKA Vanaprasta. Right. Cam's band of how many years? Uh, Vanaprasta was two thousand nine through. 14-ish, yeah, somewhere in there. And then we became Sundrug around 2000, late 14, early 15. Quickly, before we get into why I brought this song in, would you, do you want to explain the name change a little bit or the rebranding or the overhaul? Well, basically, you know, we've we been talking about the name change for years because Vana Prosta was always such a roadblock <laughs> right. as a name. Yeah. And the sound was getting more electronic, so it seemed like a good time to do the old L.A. name switch. Of course. Um, we all have to do it at least once in our time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that, that, it, it happens. You need a rebrand, I guess. Of course, they call yeah. It. And you we're going to get to one of those on your list as well. Yeah. Um, but I put this song on. I think this song is actually when we became friends, the, the shooting of this music video. It is, but at the same time, I still knew nothing about you. Right, me neither. I think really that was, it, we didn't really become friends then. It was the beginning of the will they, won't they, because I saw yeah. you checking me out. Yeah, I saw you checking me out so, too. So, y'all, this is when Cam and I were first in each other's spheres. Um, I, I, my drummer and manager owned a house in Joshua Tree. Mm-hmm. And beautiful place out there. I beautiful mean. place out there. But here's the catch. They weren't the nicest people, and they didn't like me so much. <laughs> so I was living with Taylor Brown at the time, your uh, bass player, key player, respectively, for this group. Yeah. And he was talking about needing a location for a music video shoot. And I said, well, you know, blank and blank just bought a house out in Joshua Tree. There's really not much going on with it now. Maybe we can do it out there, which I immediately regretted bringing <laughs> up because I wanted no further affiliations or responsibilities right. concerning the We two, were there till five in the morning. Five in the morning, and I was only there to chaperone. So, guys... We with, had a drone operator. It was just lights flashing and in the sky. And this was like... If just, you haven't seen the video, check it out. It's please. still online. Soaked it's incredible. It's one of the coolest music videos oh, I've yeah. ever it seen ended up being, It ended up going quite well. Yeah, it went super <laughs> well. Um, but it was an odd 
it was an odd situation for me because the only th- the, I only really knew Taylor. Taylor and I were becoming close <laughs> at that time because we were living together. Um, I had only met all of you outside of that a couple of times at shows and bars, but I had also seen you guys play a set as Vana Prasta at East West Studios for a shindig, a soiree one evening. Oh, God. And you guys were all so freaking arrogantly confident at that show that I didn't want anything to do with any of you guys forever. Wow, um, really? I and then I find myself at a house in Joshua Tree until five in the morning, making sure you guys don't destroy this property that right. I've been kind of beholden to chaperoning this music I remember music you bringing video. that up several times. You were <laughs> like, just so you guys remember, this is my drummer in my manager's house. Right, and just, nothing went wrong, well, obviously. It's a fun song. I love that song. I love that song, too. Um, obviously, I got a later introduction to you guys. I wasn't gigging when you guys were actively vana prasta yeah i'd say there there was glory glory years within the glory years right that were the vana prasta times over sundrug times there were some great shows don't get me wrong right but like that was some of the best shows i've seen in los angeles we were, weren't green anymore does that make sense yes. like we weren't we we were so green when vana prasta like we didn't know where to get shows right which yeah. again i'll get to my shit we're, we're Dude, back to you when i just quickly the first time i saw you guys perform after i had gotten to know you all so much more on a vulnerable level i was fucking aghast my friend there were so many um large personalities and styles of swagger on that stage that were working harmoniously, which is a very difficult thing to do. Yeah, we had we had some flow. I mean, we just had some some times where we were all deeply in sync. You guys are all kind of heroes of mine. Like, I just want to go ahead and say that now. You, Cam, Taylor Brown, Colin Shea, you know, like you guys. Now you're my very close friends, but at that time you were all musicians that I was looking to become. Right. Um, well, thank and, you. Yeah, no, I really mean it, man. Like, because I was green in those days. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so meeting you guys and like kind of, again, having that six degrees of separation before we were ultimately going to jump in bed together, like it, I admired and respected your artistry so much. Still do. Now I just know you're a son of a bitch. Oh, big time. But back then, <laughs> I thought you were a different type of son of a bitch, one right. without a soul. No. But now I know at on. least you have a soul. Yeah, you know? I got a soul. I got a soul um, somewhere. Also, there's a little bit of that in all these groups, too. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like you guys were doing well. We weren't doing well yet. So I'm like, fuck these guys. I, I was thinking about today when I was looking at all these songs, I'm like, all these bands have in common is there was a time whether it was six months, a year, one show, where we all took ourselves way too fucking seriously. Oh, completely. <laughs> yeah. You know what the beautiful thing is about you and I, Cam? Even though we're retired now, we've had it and we've had it taken away. Oh, yeah. And it hasn't ruined us. I mean, I bring it up all the time, but Tune Day from uh, TV on the radio in that book, Meet Me in the Bathroom. Right. That's my favorite quote. Uh, he just says, I love failure. Once you're failure free. Exactly. And you and I are free, free as a motherfucker, maybe. <laughs> hey, you know what? Let's hit a happy Woo! sample. Okay. Uh, now that the glory days have passed us by, right. uh, let's move on to one of my favorite all-time L.A. bands, especially because the mythology surrounding the lead singer is just comical. 
Uh, if you guys are listening and you've gigged or gone to any show in L.A. over the past 10 years, you have certainly seen Manhattan Murder Mystery. Uh, which, of course, is a take on a Woody Allen right. movie right. title, which is hilarious because this band is one of the most raw and real and tried and true L.A. groups. It's so funny because I've seen this name on every bill. I can't believe I've never played a show with them. They, they've just co- constantly been in my radar, but right. I probably first heard him yesterday when you sent me the clip. <laughs> oh, it's crazy. And uh, I love the song. It's, it's a lot great. of fun. It's like taking the Nirvana song dumb and adding everything about you. Not just Every, I think a- I'm dumb. Everything's fucking adding dumb. Adding everything about Echo Park life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and let's go ahead and hit that. The song is called Dumb by Manhattan Murder Mystery. Mostly my life has just been dumb. Mostly my life has just been dumb. Another band that every time we got put on a bill with, which was too infrequent for me, I think I have memories of playing a broke cello with them. Okay. Uh, definitely played the echo with them at some point. Um, I think we played together about four or five times, but I was always so surprised by this group because they were a six piece most of the time. And Matthew Teardrop, the lead singer. Right. You sent me. His, a little bit of his history today was very interesting. It's the whole thing is insane. This is one of the more mythological creatures that I've stumbled upon in Los Angeles, and I have been intrigued from like a storyteller's perspective. So the first time I saw Matthew Teardrop get on stage, he had a pair of jeans on that had his right leg cut off at the knee. Uh, so it was one long leg, one short leg. He had a Jansport backpack on that he kept pulling a whiskey bottle out of and then putting back in his backpack. He had right, a black naturally. sweatshirt on and a bandana. That was the first time I saw Matthew Teardrop. Every time I saw Matthew Teardrop <laughs> after that moment, which w- hundreds of times, yeah. he was wearing the same exact thing. Wow. So... Me and my singer, Devlin McCluskey, were huge fans of this band. We love him because he's just so guttural and real. And, you know, it's basically cowboy chords over journaling, like really intimate journaling. He's not one to bullshit because I don't think he can. We didn't know if Matthew Teardrop was homeless or if he was a squatter or where he came from or where he was going I to. feel like I heard multiple things about who that band was, and none of them are, turned out to be... True. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I heard multiple things, too. I heard that Matthew Teardrop won the lottery, and that's why he just didn't give a fuck. And he was playing shows and wearing the same clothes because he just had all this money in the bank, and he didn't care about being that person. I heard that he lived under an overpass. I heard that he had gotten some money from a land deal gone wrong, which was funny and almost confirmed by me finding out and finding the clip that he was on a daytime judge show. My God. He was on like Judge (laughs) Joe Jackson 
about like him shooting someone that came on his land or something like that. There are so many right. things that add to this band. And then that snippet that I sent you earlier, he was talking about all of his jail time in Kentucky. Right. So there are like, who knows what's happening with Manhattan murder mystery? Who knows why they named their band after a Woody Allen film? Who knows why local lore, local lore, mm. just like so expansive. But this is one of those bands you know, sometimes when you see your friends' bands too much and you go out of obligation, right. that's happened to all, all of us, right? Oh, yeah. This is one of those bands where every time they were in the room, I would actually enjoy the set. Ah, that's you the know best. what I mean? Um, okay, moving on. Wow. Should I have even put this on what do you this? Got? I put a Dead Ship song. Oh, dude, of course. On yeah. here because only because... If we have any fans who have listened to us for the past year, again, we probably have a few. We talk about ourselves a lot, but in much more of a oblique way. Mm -hmm. You know, we talk about that one band we used to play with, you know, and so on and so forth. I wanted to bring a tune from basically one of the only records that we put out in the six or seven years that I was with them. Uh, the record was called City Side. It was produced by Brendan Canning from Broken Social Scene. Yep. And this is my favorite song off this record that we never played Title track, live. right? It's title track. You never play this one live? No, Devlin never wanted to play it. Oh, I love it. See, I really like the chorus of this song. So it's do just, I. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful song. Extremely catchy. Um, and it served as kind of the guiding force for the record. So I wanted to bring this. This is City Side by the Dead Ships.
I really like this song. I mean, I listened to it more than anything else on the playlist just because I was like, damn, I need to actually listen to this whole album. I, I know some songs on it, of right. course, but I, I, I honestly had never heard this one. The crazy thing about this record is that we put it out and we made some really cool... There was some buzz behind this There record. was a lot of buzz. And we made, you know, like... Um, LA Weekly's top 20 records of the year and like they put this record on it. We got mentioned in some other year in lists and that this was this band that I served is kind of like a I guess more of like a de facto bass player and they started as a two piece and then I again accidentally joined them. <laughs> Um, first time Vonna Prosta played with them, they were a two piece, and right. I, I, it was one of the, it was at the Central. Do you remember the Central? The Central Social Aid and Pleasure Club yes. in Santa Monica. Yes, but I didn't actually even see their set at all. I was outside smoking, or of whatever course, you do, yeah, because I'm like, I don't know these. Because you're guys. a true G. Yeah. <laughs> and then at the end of the show, Devlin was super drunk, and he was like, "Yo, you guys are great," and I'm like, "Thanks, man." you're in the dead ships i'm like i i didn't actually see it, it sounded good though he's like no we fucking suck tonight <laughs> <laughs> and i was like oh i'm like, i don't really know what to i don't know what to I say, to, what that. To, say yeah, to that right 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 so, you know what you say to that <laughs> if we no, could just but, have the same but that's forever. that's so funny because i mean at that time they were just like oh man we suck and then to see where with you and where the dead ships went it was just like man Fuck up. You guys are doing fine. <laughs> right. And that's like the whole thing about the Dead Chips, um, for however long we actually played and put some really hard work into it, uh, there were no member changes for a really long time. There was no name change. Yeah. Uh, we practiced three nights a week for five years and then shit started happening. You know what I mean? Right. And like that's when I hear the 10,000 hours thing, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like do anything for five years and something's bound to happen. Like when when you read self help books that you know pitch that idea time and time again, this was my first experience with it. Right, because I hadn't even really been in a relationship for that long. Until it's, that point. it's crazy. You have like a number of partners. Yeah, you do, and for a very long time, especially if things tend to go your way. But it never started with that with this group. I joined them because they became my friends and I knew how to play a little bit of the bass. That's and it the best just, way for it to start. Exactly. I mean. It catapulted. You know what? It was the best way for it to start, but it catapulted me into this like deep desire to keep it going now yeah. in my life. Like It was so impactful to me and defined the rest of my existence or at least the next 10 years of my existence right. you know well i mean, I mean? it comes down to it dead ships are your glory days you know for though i mean yeah there was no other group that i played with but you did give us that show at the roxy but you gave us first to three oh, not direct yeah. support. no remember? i'm sorry we didn't give you direct support no we didn't we weren't even asking hey, for it we was, were just happy to play that was four years ago right yeah that was what that was march i think it was march 1st Hey, listener who obsesses over Cam and I being in the same room together, what if you guys could have seen us on stage at the world-famous Roxy on the West Side together a little over four years Don't ago? Don't worry. It was only four years ago, so it's since the Roxy <laughs> rebrand. We're cool. Right. Oh, yeah. No, it was a Golden Voice show, buddy. Not yeah. that I didn't play like eight shows at the Roxy in 2009. <laughs> right. That was a really good memory, actually. Oh, yeah, big time. Like, you know, you and Jay and Sam and Facial. I love Facial. I'm just such a... We had a great time. I'm such night. a big Facial yeah. fan. Um, I don't want to talk anymore about the dead ships because it might get to the point where... <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and leave it. Like, this whole list is based around these two other dudes in my life 
who allowed me into their spheres to be able to meet all of these people and have some of the best friends that I'll ever have. Yeah. And those are my fucking glory days. Right yeah. there, baby. Big time. Those are my glory days. All right. Moving on. Uh, the well, I mean, if there were two or three bands in L.A. that should have been the biggest fucking bands on the planet as far as I'm concerned, we move directly into one. If you've been with us for a year, you know what a big Jess Joy fan I am. And... That love started with the group that she was in uh, that, again, I have shared stages with and seen so many times and enjoyed every freaking set and have some of the best friends from that group in my life now. We're talking about Moon Honey, and let's go ahead and hit a snippet of that song. This was my favorite song to hear live. I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to hear it live again from them as they are broken up, but... There were multiple times that they would all, from the stage, look at me and say silently with their eyes, Al, this one's for you. So let's go ahead and hit a little bit of the song. The song's called Trampoline. I just, uh, uh, another band that I was so fortunate to have gigged with at that very specific time and place that really just opened my eyes to a whole new set of showmanship and songwriting acuity and especially vocal gymnastics coming from Jess Joy herself, yeah. the singer. And I'll never forget the first time I met them. If you guys just heard that snippet of the song, which you did if you're listening, you can understand that there's a little bit of like fairy tale jubilation to the whole group, correct? Uh, yeah. So when <laughs> I was living at the famed Waterloo house, Chris Shanley, my roommate at the time, was like, hey, I want you to come meet my friends. They just moved into town from Baton Rouge. They're real funky people. And I'm like, fuck yeah, let's go party. So we walked down to their house and it was a tree house. Oh. They were wearing just nothing but like exaggerated colors and flowing robes and they were living in this tree house and they wrote this mystic music and i was very confused right in the beginning what i had just stumbled into definitely i feel uh, the same way when i came into this room we're recording it and they were all sitting in a circle here <laughs> it's perfect and taylor was like oh yeah moon honey kind of wants to rent the room sometimes i'm like oh <laughs> uh. Uh oh cam do i need to <laughs> So you were already well-established by the time that I came along. You, I wouldn't say that. I still am not. <laughs> I mean, respectively or relatively speaking. <laughs> to the here. eight people that we collectively know. Exactly. You were already more established. You had played more gigs. You had seen more local L.A. fair than I had at that time from behind the scenes. So when I bring in a group like Moon Honey and talk about them, they were still part of that budding experience for me, even if I yeah. did meet them three or four years after I had started gigging. Right. Uh, but I brought in Moon Honey just because I can't tell you how many times I saw them, how many times I played with them, how many times I saw them, how many shows we supported them on, how they changed my life in that capacity. And also, they were one of the groups that I knew almost every single word to every single one of their songs. And that's wow. hard to get 
in local LA culture. Okay, and now we move on to a band that you probably like so much more than Am the I last in it? Group. I haven't been in like the last For three the bands. For the past three bands, you haven't been in any bands. But guess what, buddy? Oh, yes. You're in this one. Yes. Is it facial? It is facial. Fuck yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the sultry voice post-punk king of Los Angeles uh, got his name, especially the post-punk part, in this particular group, Cam, when you splintered off from Sundrug, which we played earlier, you started this band with your two other friends, Sam and Jay. Yeah. Facial has been going on for a while. Gotcha. And that's why this album is called Mistress. Mistress. And guys... Because Jay was in Super Cave, Sam was in Rainbow Jackson, and uh, I was in Honor Prost Sundrug. Okay. And we would... Our like early rules were like no practice before midnight. Like, cause right. we'd always have band practice, and then we'd stay late and do facial. And for years, we were terrible because our whole thing was play to your weakness. I played drums. I can't drum. Of I course. played drums and sang. <laughs> yeah, right. Which uh, you also slayed, by the way. I can't well, tell yeah, we, you how many facial shows I've seen. Midnight practices for a couple years, we actually were like, you know what? Let's, let's take this out on the town. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, people really, really like. I mean, we loved it. Yeah, I, I think people could tell we loved it so much. They of were course. like, I don't know what they're doing. You guys had such an infectious energy from the stage, whether it was positive or negative. energy energy it didn't matter the fact it's was good is that it was it was <laughs> emanating from all three of you in conjunction with one another yeah it was, um, it was, it was, that that's the second big chunk of my glory years was the facial days absolutely and that was also the second big chunk of my glory years yeah. was when you did that when i started seeing that happening and you guys started taking off and getting great tours and doing well for yourselves um but this song in particular right I fell in love with this tune the first time I ever saw you guys play live, and, and it, I believe it was in that set. I can't tell you the first show I saw at this point because, dude, I saw you guys play way too many fucking times, minus the times that we played together. Dude, it was so cool because not a lot of people had heard the album yet, but I know I had given Taylor an advanced copy, and from that, you heard Mistress. Right. And you hit me up. You texted me. You're like, dude, album of the year. <laughs> I remember that and I was like I love that. I was like at the I was still at the point where I'm like I don't know if anybody's going to like this. For sure. Like yeah. this is so and like you were just one of the first pioneers to be like dude this fucking this is kills. incredible. Yeah. Um I'm glad that I can reserve that yeah. spot. See this is what this playlist yeah. this episode is all about baby. Yeah. We're talking about the glory we're days. We're talking about the glory days. <laughs> so this song I fell in love with the song immediately and my first joke um, I don't think I said this to you when I was texting you congratulations and whatever other flagellations that I was, but when I heard the song, I said I immediately knew it was my album cut. This was the song that I was going to go back to time and time again, but I had this joke in my mind, like, damn, this is really good prison workout music. <laughs> right. This is fucking incredible. There's obviously the chorus is just it, it's a it's a batter ram over the head the drum beat is um you know inescapable there's just so many things about the song where i pictured myself doing pull-ups behind bars now what's funny about that <laughs> is that i would end up going to jail shortly right. thereafter and i can't tell you cam 
how many times I was staring at the ceiling not trying to get stabbed with this song going wow. on in the back of my See, mind. That's the reason you make music, just to, constantly, just, just in case so you, you can, can be there for people. Yeah, in case I could give that to somebody. You never thought this song, which will hit right now, would help me on my journey to get through a very difficult time. But ladies and gentlemen, prison workout tune number one, this song is called White Veil by Facial... Give me some backstory about that song. Um, it was the first song we had that Jay sang verses on, like full verses. Yeah. And there was just something so scary. Like, I scream in the choruses, the, the white veil hook, but I can't be nearly as scary as his sinister. It is very insidious. Uh, yes. Yeah, the way he sings those verses. And it makes the tune. Also, you're one of my favorite screams. The scream on White Veil is like, Incredible. that's right in my pocket where I can just totally belt. And lose it. So it was yeah. so fun to play that song live because I'm just drumming and belting <laughs> yeah, as loud right. as I can. And the drum beat is so fucking As I'm dumb. doing pull-ups behind yeah. bars. <laughs> yeah, I wish we could go back and make a music video for that now of just me in jail. Maybe we should. <laughs> it's also, I think, feel like this first song that Jay did guitar solo on, and the end guitar solo on that song is so odd. It is very <laughs> like, odd. Like it's like all the weirdest notes to play. <laughs> that was I kind know. of. I the, love that. That was the whole thing about facial, though. Yeah. It seemed like you guys were trying to so aggressively and intentionally break any type of normative path or structuring that one would approach when writing a song. Yeah. Or While if still you, being somewhat catchy. Exactly, <laughs> and that's the thing. It's like you guys baked the cake and then you threw blood on it. Yeah. You helped me. Not get shanked. Well, buddy. thank thank you for that. Really appreciate I, I'm, it. I did what I could. I just found that really funny because even at that point, you and I still weren't like the best of friends. Not, not like not we yet. are now. No, we knew each other. We've known each other for years, but we've never been as close as we are over the past year or so yeah. since we've been doing this together. So it was funny to have that in the back of my mind. It's like these dudes won't even ever fucking know that I'm constantly thinking of White Veil just to keep my senses alert and intact. I'm glad I do know. And now uh, make sure you'll never you'll never get shanked in your whole life. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. It probably will come in handy later on. <laughs> so we're now at my number one pitch. And this is a special song to me. It couldn't hit closer to home. And by home, I mean the place I lived with these people. <laughs> this was actually, I think... These dudes, especially Sam, who played in Facial with you, who also played in this group, these were the first dudes that maybe I started partying really hard with, too. <laughs> and I think that they That's have... exactly what they're known for. I, be, you partied at the Craft Bowl, right? Oh, my God, yes. Okay. 
Um, That's where I lived with this band, Rainbow yeah. Jackson. And I think I came later. You weren't at Craft Bold anymore. I left when I, in 2013, early 2013. I see. I That's didn't hit I the Craft scene Bold. until 2014, I want to say. And yeah, the, the Craft Bold was done by 2015, I'd say. Yeah. So. Um, but this band, the Dead Ships played with this band a lot just by, I think, circumstance of us being friends and sharing a lot of the oh, same. Oh, yeah. Build. Rainbow Jackson was playing everything. Everywhere. Everything all the time. And Rainbow Jackson put out some good music, but... They were the party band, man. They were the party band, and... You know, I played drums for Rainbow Jackson for a little touch. (laughs) (laughs) About about a month. See, that's that's some glory days shit right there. It was fun. I punked that shit right up. Oh, yeah. I bet you (laughs) did. Mostly because I couldn't drum. Yeah, right. Play to your weakness, baby. Um, There's this one song by Rainbow Jackson. Mm -hmm. I I wouldn't say that I'm the biggest fan of their whole catalog. Some of their songwriting is a little catty for me. Totally, I get Um, that. But they do that well. I'm not saying that they don't do that well. But there's one fucking song in particular that every time I saw them play live, and mind you, I saw them play live a lot. I was always at the front of the stage. Oh yeah, I had to be. It was yeah. like it was like a brother. I, these were my like brothers. Of you course, know? it was like yes. an obligation, but and I didn't mind it. No, not at all. And this song in particular is enough to ramp you up to that. Point. Oh yeah. Um, and ladies and gentlemen, the song we're talking about is called "Nightcrawler" by Rainbow Jackson. Let's hit that. I've been blowing on my speakers. I've been blowing smoke all night. Putting air into my tires. Gonna take you for a ride. A ride over the rainbow to an empty pot of gold. It's getting cold. I'm getting older. I do it all because I'm I mean, yeah, Nightcrawler, it's funny because, like, you know, I, hearing somebody's history with something like this, this is even worse than Super Cave. Like, yeah. I literally heard every iteration of the song being written in the room <laughs> next to me or, That's like, incredible. on the porch or right. in the living room yeah. or, like, while I was trying to uh-huh. sleep. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. So Rainbow Jackson is li- literally the brother band to Von Prosta. Gotcha. Like, like Chad lived with in cancer house where we lived where joaquin was the roommate i lived in cancer house yeah we called it cancer it had one of those signs up front that's like chemicals in here are known in the state of california for for sure it's best so it became cancer house (laughs) uh but me and chad lived together steve and taylor lived upstairs who were in von aprosta sundrug and joaquin lived a couple doors down oh wow so we all lived in the same area but anyway so chad Sam, we all moved in the craft bowl because we all couldn't afford rent anymore because we're all broke musicians. Of course. And yeah. we were living the life. You know, yeah. We were all paying a couple hundred bucks Fuck yes. when we could. Oh, my God. How <laughs> many years did we do that and enjoy At ourselves? At this shitty, nasty yeah. place where we built a stage in the driveway, <laughs> in the very dangerous driveway that was on an insane incline. Right, yeah. And we threw shows, and we had crazy fucking good times there for years. Oh, and my God. Rainbow Because ja- I, I left, and Rainbow Jackson just kind of like ruled the... They they took over there. You oh know? yeah, it was it was Rainbow Jackson's spot. Those parties were ridiculous. There was this time where, and then he, so she was. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, we can't talk too much about the craft. Bowl. Which is why we haven't actually stumbled upon the infamous Waterloo New Year's Eve party yet. Oh, a couple of weeks ago, Cam looked at me 
very seriously in, in the eye and was like, hey, were you at that one New Year's Eve party at that house on Waterloo? And I had to give it a pause and I had to look at Cam and say, dude, I lived there. <laughs> if that doesn't sum... I don't even think I ran into you that night. No, because we invited 50 people and 500 showed up. I mean, I closed the bar down and everybody's like, you know where a party is? And I'm like, yeah, I'm not sure if it's still going. Is it? And I called Taylor. I'm like, is it all right if I bring like eight to ten people? And he's like... <laughs> buddy I, you, yeah, like, I, I don't know what's going on the, in here. the cop showed up five different times that night saw the size and magnitude of the party and said you guys have fun be safe <laughs> they weren't about to break any of that shit up. it was crazy that it was, was crazy was and there's a lot of things that happened that night like when oh, you and, and then Steve. you told me to <laughs> and then we went into my bedroom and, <laughs> and then right, you said I had a up. nice body you're and you're then, making this up <laughs> <laughs> All right, you're done. Your glory days I'm are done. Over. Yeah, let's move on to yours. <laughs> I might move the sampler a little closer to me. I don't know if you need to move it closer to you. <clears throat> you can you can leave it right. See, I'm having trouble with the nine. I, I know you I are. I might hit whatever's twelve. <laughs> See? Oh my god, we don't that's want no hot. techno beats. <laughs> These are my private beats. <laughs> this is not something that's supposed to be on the pod. This is actually hot. See, this is why I didn't. Yeah, I never put it in the middle. Actually, that's kind of cool together. Okay. This is fucking so hot. I'm feeling that a bit. Oh, okay. <laughs> but that's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. <laughs> I might have to leave that, though, just for a future idea. I think you have to. Did we just start a band? <laughs> I think we did. The glory days continue. <laughs> and it takes on a whole new meaning. Okay, so now I get to sit back a little bit. I yeah. just talk so much. Oh, my God. It was like I was reading the eulogy at my own funeral. I'll be doing that, my good sir. <laughs> let's I'll go. I'll be like, all right, let's keep this sweet. We all want to get out of here. <laughs> right. <laughs> Actually, if at my funeral it follows the same concept as this, people are going to be hitting that Glory Day sample quite a bit. All right, so now it's all my glory days, which I is can't exciting because it's whole man. 10 years that we're going to just go through here. 10 I mean, years? That's funny. 2009, 2019, those are my glory days, which means they have just recently ended. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> welcome it's bittersweet. To welcome to retirement, dude. Mm -hmm. You and I are about to go on vacation to a sandals resort, maybe hop on a Disney cruise it's or all something. Inclusive. Yeah, all inclusive. Oh, yeah, dude. All the mojitos. And uh, mudslides and margaritas you can drink. So I, uh, I, I went to Crass. You went to MI. I went to Crass, right. which is the Conservatory of Recording Arts and Sciences right. in Tempe, Arizona. I can't believe you went to Tempe. Fucking spent a, almost a year of my life in Arizona, Man, which that's I rough. despised. That's fucking rough. Ended up coming out here to intern at a studio, recording studio. Had a great time. What studio did you intern at? I started at a studio called Chalice. Okay. Uh, middle Hollywood. Give us the backstory. Give us the whole cam backstory. I mean, Chalice was great, but I got an opportunity at a studio in Portland, which I wanted to eventually go back to. Because I never, I never had any intention of going to LA. Right. So I got the studio gig in Portland. Supernatural, beautiful studio. Had a great year in Portland, doing some gigs there. I this missed is, LA. Is this two thousand eight? Seven. Okay. Seven and eight. Gotcha. I missed LA terribly. Yeah. yeah. Some something about LA. 
I, I left when I shouldn't have. It was that, that I, intuition. I com- dude, I completely empathize because much like my backstory, I came yeah. to L.A. and I'm like, you know what? This isn't for me. I went to Hawaii and Nashville and I fucking you missed L.A. So back. I came back. I, yeah. I, I'm convinced it's harder to it's hard to get in L.A. It's hard to move here and find the right group. It but is. it's even harder to leave. It's impossible to Once leave. you have a taste of it, you're kind of like, man, there's something there. There's something there for me. It's and a lingering I knew there was. taste. It's and a, I had just seen Silver Lake Echo Park a couple times. I've been to a couple right. shows, but it, was, it wasn't enough. So I made sure when I came back, uh, I got in a, another studio. Worked at another studio for almost a year, 2008. Um, and that's where me and Chad moved in the, to Cancer House. Gotcha. Where I met Steve and Taylor upstairs. Did you meet Chad Carlisle Chad at the studio? Chad went to Crass. Okay, cool. Gotcha. We we both dated the same goth girl there. <laughs> Cong- lucky, so we were kind of lucky. Like, you guys, you we guys kinda, both got the one goth girl. <laughs> I mean, Crass is a pretty male dom. I hope it's not anymore. I hope yeah. it's way more. But this is like you know, this is back in the olden days in the fifties. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, this is two thousand when you were playing for White Snake, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I mean I am technically old now. Two thousand seven is when I was in college. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was a, like Crass was so male dominated. Yeah. There was always like. One or two girls a class. With one goth girl. The unicorn in any situation for a horny single male. It's just how me and Chad ended up becoming friends is that we, after, we weren't friends at Crass, but once we were both in LA and we both were no longer dating this girl, it was like, so what's up, dude? <laughs> like, <laughs> so you play music, you know? But yeah, I mean, I met Chad the first day he was at Crass. He had, I remember, his, he had a fucking Octopus Project shirt on. <laughs> and awesome. that is the rarest band that I've seen, post rock instrumental band yeah. that I fucking love. Yeah, I love Octopus Project too. See, that's yeah. why we're on a podcast exactly. together. But yeah. yeah, I'm like, nobody else here fucking knows who Octopus no. Project is. No, not for miles. So, kind of friends forever type shit. And, you know, I'm still great <laughs> friends with Chad, Rainbow Jackson. Of course. Chad. Yeah. Um, but so we started 2008. We started going to shows, Spaceland especially. I remember my first show at Spaceland was Titus Andronicus playing a Monday Night Residency at 8:30. They were on tour, and Monday Night Residency band was like, "Sure, play." And I'm like, "Dude, I just heard, I just read this band's Pitchfork review, and it was I was like, what is this venue? It's incredible." Was it 2008? That was 2000. That was the weekend I got back to LA. Summer man, of 2008. What a great first Spaceland show. My first Spaceland show was the War Paint show. The, the residency? The residency. That was 2009. Yeah. That's yep. right in the middle of this first glory days, which my first, my bands are going to go through the timeline. So chronologically. Yes. Okay. So my first band, just because this song emulates that that vibe so well of, shit, I'm at Spaceland. I'm seeing all these. These are local acts. Like, right. I'm from fucking podunk nowhere. Right. Local acts were my shitty band and somebody else's shitty band. Right. Like, these local acts sound radio ready. And there's no better example of that than Vauxhall Broadcasts leaving on the fifth. Back to New York in the morning, we were right where we should be. So you say, here I am, here I am, here I got is yours. Tomorrow I'll not be gone tonight, it's ours. Dude, this song rips so hard. I mean, I still love it. It makes me immediately nostalgic. I saw them so many times yeah. in 2009. And when I was first in Vonoprasa, when we were desperate to play Spaceland, we were like, man, we want to play with Vauxhall. 
Vauxhall's so cool. It was them. It was ECC, Eastern Conference Champions. Which is another piece of lore that still gets kicked around the Echo Park scene forevermore. You might know his band now, Mondo Cosmo. Oh, They're, gotcha. He, he's still killing it. Now, Vauxhall, funny you bring up Vauxhall for but your you'd first... you'd always see these bands together. Yeah, for sure. Funny you, you brought up Vauxhall for your first band because I felt the same way about them as the first band that I brought up, James Supercave. Right. It was probably similar. Like, everybody was like... like Okay, so when I came in the scene in 2009, local natives just blew up. Right. And everybody's like, who's next? LA's back on the map. Exactly. And, Vauxhall and that was after... seemed like the next... It was either Vauxhall or ECC was going to yeah. be a sign. And they were just... They had the residencies. They were always killing it. And yeah, this song and, and pretty much all of them being pretty good friends of mine. So, yeah. Like it was a really special thing to see like all these bands. There was also like I have some lists here. Chasing Kings, Red Cortez, The uh -huh. Robotanist, Nico oh, Sty, Lynx. There was that sticker band. Ah, shit. Ah, Taylor would know. If only we could phone a friend. Should we call him? I don't know if he'd pick up. Let's call him. Put it on speaker. Yeah. Hey, hey. Tay. I was cracking. All right, so uh, you're live on the pod. Uh, this is Taylor Brown, of course. He's our know. producer, right. ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I have a question for you, and I figured you would know. Hit me. What was that band when we were first playing, like, 2009 with, like, the Spaceland and then, like, Vauxhall, ECC? That band, we saw them a lot. I think it started with the D, but they had more stickers than anyone. They were the sticker band. The Dropkick Murphys. <laughs> no <laughs> damn it it's one word oh, it's oh fuck i know what you're talking about yeah you was know what a two-piece band yes they were a two-piece band they're kind of weird they were very weird but they were cool yeah they were cool ah damn i can see the sticker draw a blank draw a blank can you you can see the sticker the guy the guy like with the hat yeah and all the electronic stuff on stage <sighs> this is no good if we don't get the i sh i thought for sure taylor would know I mean, when you put me on the spot like that, too, I'm going to immediately draw a blank. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I think that's what happened to me. I was I went to say the name of the band like I knew who it was, and I, I blanked. I'm like, the Stickers Band. Al has no idea. I had no a, idea. I was, a, I was an infant when this happened. <laughs> I was like four years old. Yeah, yeah exactly. Man, my head feels funny from this vaccine. Oh, shit. He just got vaxxed. <laughs> I shouldn't have asked you right when you got vaxxed. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like swimming. I'm kind of like brain foggy. <laughs> well, this... Damn it! The one time I need an answer, one time we phone a friend, he's he's just got vaxxed. You really botched this, dude. Vaxxed. Yeah. Oh man! Apparently Joaquin was in a hot bath last night, shivering. Oh yeah, I mean yeah, you get you get a little get a little kick from it. You can, and I was like, I'm like, so far so good. Like I feel like kind of lightheaded and, and like some strange sensations, but I couldn't tell if it was like from the the vape hit or if it was from like 30 minutes before. But like it mostly. Is probably, but I think it's also not that. Yeah, it, when you smoke weed after you get vax, though, you tend to think your high is a side effect of the vax. I noticed that as well. Yeah, I'm very paranoid about <laughs> 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 the synergistic effects that the vaccine and the weed are having. I think. All right. Well, you're no help. Uh, I have to get off the phone now. Devotchka. No. <laughs> Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that was Taylor Brown, our producer. And in the course of that conversation, see, this is th that was a glory days moment uh, because he brought up Joaquin from James Supercave. Right, that's true. That's this is all like it's all being tied together now. 
Uh, but yeah, so that was that was my early one. Vauxhall, I feel like enough said about it because we had the whole Taylor Brown conversation. Still didn't get to the bottom of the sticker band. No, and maybe we won't ever. <sighs> okay, so let's move on. This next one is the only one I have on my list that isn't, like we, we discussed a little bit, isn't actually someone I know. Gotcha. Or a band I know. It's just a show I remember that was like a special time. Of course. Still and I, in this lane. On, I remember when this band was getting big, too. The Meishi. The Meishi. Yeah. Right. And this wasn't even a local show. At this point, they were getting... They were uh, getting big. Yeah. They, they were got getting some press. Bills. And Spaceland was doing a lot more national bills back then. Right. So the band that was actually the headline was Monotonics. They're, they're, I remember Monotonics. Yeah, they're Israeli band from yeah. Tel Aviv. Mm-hmm. I went to see the Meishi because I was like, I've, I, I love that song. Uh, he was even on Pitchfork, Run to Your Grave. This song, this song. Play a little snippet of it. Yeah. Tune. Uh, but so, so I heard they do this. The Meishi, the guitar player, goes out to the back of Spaceland where the soundboard is with one of those parachutes. Remember from high school? I didn't do too much high school, but are Not you talking about school, I'm like, talking about like, oh, sorry. Like, like gym, elementary like school. Like gym uh, class? Gym, yeah, where oh, you put yeah. the. You put the <laughs> I didn't do too much high school, you weirdo. <laughs> but uh, the parachutes where you sit on them and you're in yes. there and you're like, this is the best time of my life. Absolutely. And you so had a did cr- that. You had a crush on. there yeah, and you were like looking right? at, yeah, you guys were looking at each other. You're like, right. are we going to touch hands in the yeah. parachute? Yeah. And it was just such a cool, nostalgic <laughs> moment for a band to do in a small club. And That's I'm like, incredible. Where did they even get one of these. Was it a big show? I mean, it was big because also Monotonics was kind of crushing at the same time. So after this parachute fiasco, I'm like, this show can't get any better, right? Right. Monotonics come out, and this is this is exactly what happens. The singer comes out, scary big dude, long long ass beard, long hair, comes right up to me. I'm holding my beer, comes right up and grabs my beer out of my hand and takes a drink out of it and then pours it down his guitar player's pants. <laughs> and I wasn't even mad. I was like, that was awesome. That seems that's so punk. I was just like, hell yes. This yeah. is fun. This is going to be a good one. And then I, so this is what they're known for. The drummer brings his kick drum with the kick pedal attached to the audience and gives it to them. And they get to play the kick? No, they hold it. Then he brought the snare with Stan to some other people. And then he brought <laughs> his goddamn stool out and made other people hold it. And then he plays the song. Like basically drum crowd surfing. What? Like just kick and snare and just goes crazy on, on the, and like <laughs> the audience is expected to hold all this. That's insane. I, no, it didn't wh- go terribly well, but it was the most punk thing I've ever no seen. No wonder they were huge at that time. So yeah, it was just a wild show. Another great Spaceland early glory days experience. Spaceland memories. Should we give the listener? I feel like we might have some out of state plebs who don't even really know what Spaceland is. I mean, I guess it was from. It's funny because I also talked to Ben Haywood a little bit, uh, who's a little older than me, right. about this Glory Days, and he heard what I was talking about, a, a little snippet of preview, and he's like, that's not even the Glory Days. Like His Glory <laughs> right, Days are before right. that, and he was saying how certain people he came up with, they hear about his Glory Days, and they're like, no, the Glory Days were right. like 
Spaceland's been around since around 96, I believe. Right. And I guess until 2020. Well, no. 2011 as Spaceland. It changed to the satellite in 2011. It was I think it was 2012. Okay. Uh, when that when the transition actually happens. So Spaceland, y'all, uh, for those of you in L.A. who don't know and those of you outside of L.A., uh, Spaceland is still one of the main promoters and bookers in town. But at the time, they were only, or not only, they were specifically running and operating a venue uh, that would host a lot of the residencies and shows that would actually put these L.A. bands on a much more national scale. Uh, they left and the venue became the satellite after that and it had a slow downfall. But when Cam and I talk about these Spaceland days, these glory days, it was a very special thing. You could smoke in the back room. It was always packed. You never knew who you were going home with. It felt like a fucking <laughs> swingers club. But that's why even our glory days at the sat Spaceland satellite were towards the end of the actual. Like I was only the half the time there where you could smoke up in the patio, smoke right. cigs in the patio. Yeah. And there was just one time we're up there smoking cigs and the bartender's just throwing ice at us. It was like, <laughs> look at the paper printed out signs. It's like, no smoking anymore. And we're like, what? What? This club is ruined. Did you leave immediately? <laughs> that does feel like the exact pinpoint of when this when needle it died. started falling. Yeah. I mean, I can't bring it up without bringing up Jen Teff. She did such a good job really for so did, many dude. years Jen, there. You know making what? that place so let's, fucking cool. Let's give Jen Teff the little round. Yeah, of I mean, like she was that the, was the booker and promoter. She, she there. handled the glory days pretty damn well. She did. You know? Yeah. So I mean, there's a reason when places are like that. Just like the Echo shortly after, I feel like the Echo is the second half of my glory days. Of course. Which we'll yeah. get to. But speaking of Ben, um, my number three is this band that I met in August of 2009 when we played with them at a place called Silver Factory Studios downtown. No idea. Didn't exist past that year, um, but the band was called Summer Darling, and it reminded me of seeing Built to Spill, and I was like, I, there's an L.A. Built to Spill. Ben Haywood, you guys have heard us talk about Ben a lot. He's one of our only listeners. Uh, and also, you know, he, he plays in Giant Waste of Man with Cam, and he's a huge inspiration to me. So it's only appropriate that he's brought up on the Oh, yeah. Days. And him playing in Giant Waste of Man is the whole, the full circle of this, my side of the glory days. Absolutely. Because really. yeah. seeing them there, I was green, like we were saying. For I was sure. Six months into playing shows in right. LA. God, and what I a still, feeling. I, I still hadn't seen because we were taking any show, anything. Right. Exactly. We were playing we were so oversaturating the market. Santa Monica. Yeah. We were playing like just nasty places. The right. airliner when the airliner wasn't <laughs> cool. Um, but Summer Darling was the first band I saw where I'm like, holy shit, we just played with a band that like I want their album. I want to listen to them. Right. Like I haven't had that yet. Right. Like I've seen bands that I'm like, you guys sound all right. Hey, great set. <laughs> yeah. Can I borrow your bass amp? Do you yeah. like that band? Oh, they're nice guys. Yeah, super nice guys. <laughs> Nicest guys in the world. Uh, but when you hit that band that you actually actively become a fan of, as you said, and you, ha you I had walked up to it. Ben yeah. at that show, you know, and after they played, and because we were on last, I'm like, he's not going to stay for us. Fuck no, like, he's cool. I'm wearing a white tie. Steve's got his sunglasses on. It's like, <laughs> like we were green, like I said. I know, I know. I don't know. Uh, I saw you guys years later, and you still had that shit on. Uh, so. Okay, well, <laughs> we thought that was cool. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I, and then I told Ben, I was like, man, that that reminded me of There's Nothing Wrong With Love, Built to Spill, and he's like, that's a great album. And like, that's really all he said, but he stuck around. 
like barely anyone stuck around for our set and right. he stuck around and after it he was like hey cam nice to meet you awesome set I was like, dude, that guy's so cool. Oh, yeah. And now you're in a band with him. Yeah. And now you know all of his intimate secrets. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, Summer Darling was so inspirational to Vana Prosta. Yeah. Like, kind of like a big brother band in a lot of ways. And they taught us, like, hey, you know, if you find the right team, you can self-release your stuff. Right. It wasn't totally DIY, but, like, it was really inspiring what they did with, like, Origami Vinyl. Of course. And it was a great local Echo Park Records. Rest in peace, Origami this, Vinyl. This album that this song, Hungry Bees, is on, which is my favorite song. Of this Summit is a Arms. great tune. Here's a clip. I stole honey from a horde of hungry bees. Uh, yeah. Is that the line? Yes, it is. It's a great fucking line. I got cancers to reward for sticking with me. That's God, my favorite that's line. That's so that great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, me and my wife's tactical first date was the Summer Darling residency oh. at Spaceland. It wasn't the X show at the House of Blues on the west side. No, that was that was six months later, but... You know, we had met, and then I got her to come. Because when you're a musician and that, you're just a, a young douchebag musician, you're not really taking girls out to dinner. You're like, come to my show. Or like, hey, I got a friend Or playing. like, I'm going out to my friend's show tonight. Right. Where everybody knows you, and you look and like you the talk like of a, the town. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you fucking piece of shit. You're yeah. so slimy. So lame. You're so slimy. So lame. I did the same shit I'm, so I'm many times. Man. Oh, my God. But yeah, we are technically, we both bought Summer Darling vinyl that night. We still have, well, fuck, we have like eight copies now. Ben more <laughs> copies. He's like, you guys need more Summer? I'm like, we have them. <laughs> but it was really cute, you know. The, that is really cute. Yeah, so Summer Darling is obviously going to make this list. Uh, moving on, my number four in the timeline would be around the 2012 time when Vonda Prost was touring a lot mm -hmm. behind our album Healthy Geometry. What year did you put that record out? November of 2011. 2011 yeah. wow um and toured most of 2012 on it and in the summer of 2012 we got linked up with this austin texas band the rocket boys and we were like who the hell are the rocket boys what the, what the kind, kind of, of a silly name yeah. yeah and they were just the like sweetest bunch of fellas and uh just super i mean that texas love you know absolutely say what you will about texas there's good ass texas <laughs> oh people, yeah man. for sure completely like and and every time we would, Vonna Prost would play through Texas, even though we'd usually break down and something scary would happen. Right. Uh, the people that we met, like, were usually pretty stand-up people. Yeah. Like, uh, like Texans that just, like, like to see a band. They, they, they know Austin as, like, the center point, but, like, we had some really good shows touring with a Texas band. Through te we played San Antonio, Houston, uh, Austin, Wichita Falls, Wichita Falls, Dallas. We just Damn. did. We did all their town. We did their their lo their West Coast circuit, and right. then went. They went with us to the West Coast, and we did up through Seattle and back. Cool. Um. So it was great. They got to see how we usually tour and how they usually. And tour. you were still kind of green by then, right? As far as like touring, but we really we kind of had the split audience of they were kind of buzzing, we were kind of buzzing. Right. We could like we got to play the Troubadour. We got to play in Austin at their troubadour right you know basically so 
Uh, this song, the best. Um, we just they ended with it, and it was on their album that had just come out, and it's it's almost kind of cheesy fun, but like it's got a good heart behind it, and we would sing it every night in the front row and get of super course. pumped with them. So. It was our first tour where we're like, man, this is going to be like friends forever. Shit. Right. Like, I still follow all of them on Instagram. Right. Like, it's like tour friends. You know, you, you don't have to call them every week. Nope. But if, if they notice something's wrong, they're going to reach out to you. Yeah, you know? absolutely. It's a beautiful thing. I love tour friends for that regard. Yeah. Uh, because there's really no pretense or there's no like sense of obligation. You had that sparing, fleeting moment on the road together. Even with people you meet in cities too. Yeah. It's like you know the Heather Haywood, uh, Ben Ben's wife, who's also in Giant Wasted Man, right? Great friend of mine, also Summer Darling, also Summer Darling. She told me the best quote. She's like, two her friends are friends for life." They really are. It's it's true. And even if you never talk to that person in Boise, Idaho that you met during that one show forever ago, they're the same type of people. If they notice something's wrong, they'll hit you up yeah. to make sure that you're okay. Um, so yeah, that's my only non-LA cut was the Austin band, the Rocket Boys, uh, the song The Best. When During that tour, did you feel like it was your first time experiencing something where you were like, I want to do this again and for a long time? Uh, big time. Let me just say, uh, the weekend, the Friday before we left, Japan Droid Celebration Rock came out. Right. And it was just the soundtrack to that summer and oh, that yeah. tour. And, and the so band. things were just like... Things were looking up. Things were... Things were like, that's right in the center of these glory days. You, you know? know what? We need to hit a, a positive A positive glory right here. Yeah, yeah. Glory days. Well, that that's you by glory days. And the winter young girls are... Yeah, to get sad on it. I mean, I had some of the best times in my life with our drummer Ben Smiley on that tour. Yeah. We we stayed up drinking in Dallas and like at, at like a Marriott until like six in the morning. God, just I being love like, hotel drinking. And you know what? Like in this loud <laughs> yeah, courtyard. <right>. Um, <laughs> yeah, and unfortunately, you know, he 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 died in 2017. It's almost been exactly four years. Rest in peace, Smiley. Yeah. Um, so that's the worst part of the whole whole timeline there but i have great memories when i hear this rocket boy song of all of us together right uh, especially when you were a relatively new band when things were feeling good and you were still like kind of even really like getting to know each other like in a little bit yeah. you know in well that me and smiley too we had known each other way before the band he actually gotcha uh, this part missed from the early story he interned at chalice with me That's oh where cool I met him. he also went to crass but i didn't meet him then right uh but we met each other at chalice and we kept in touch when i went back to la but then basically when St steven taylor were like do you know a drummer i was like oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> and i brought and him into this he's crazy a crazy world. son of a bitch his, yeah it yeah. was just yeah a whirlwind of insanity God. <laughs> but anyway uh so number five 
uh, I had to bring in something that just charged me up from the, this is still the Spaceland days. You know, we're still in like 2012. I like 13. how you did this chronologically because now I'm kind of getting an overall sense yeah, you're getting, of you're getting your the whole life story. Well, yeah, of like, <laughs> you know, time being linear as far as your career goes. Or as far as like my drunken brain remembers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so this is Missing Teen. They were future ghosts for a while, then they were Missing Teen. They were the underrated three-piece punk rock band. Oh, yeah. The only reason I never joined this band was because I liked that they were a three-piece. Yeah. And I did not want to fuck with that mojo, even when they did ask me several times to To join join the the band, band, which was really hard to say no to. I played with them live a couple times, but when they fucking wrote this song, Diet Girl. Yeah. fucking came out with this song not came out when i saw him play it live because brandon hardy the drummer who also is in giant drum, waste of man on the giant waste of, of man course, yeah. so like this is so God, incestual. incestuous yeah it's like having sex with your fourth cousin <laughs> speaking for a friend when they debut i know it was at that space land i remember seeing it then play this song i was like oh they up the tempo on this shit yeah okay let's do this <laughs> let's do this it's fighting words yeah yeah and I was like, that's my favorite song. Like, I mean, their whole album is fantastic. It is. It's finally out. And the, the album is called Future Ghost, and the band is called Missing Teen. Yes. But I also had a Missing Teen song. I'm curious. What song? Um, I had Scream. Scream White Noise. Thank you. Scream White Noise, because yeah. that's one of the songs I remember from the first time that I met Brandon Dude, Hardy. Brandon Tomas's guitar tone yeah. was pretty unmatched as far as, like, just Marshall group. stacked I mean, in delays. Man. Kim Hell is the bassist. Kim, really Kim fucking kills Dude, Great bassist. And what's funny, uh, the first time I ever headlined the Echo with the Dead Ships, guess who opened for us? Future Ghost. Hell yeah. See, they were like... The unsung band, they were always like on first of threes, and they were always, there was never enough people there, cause, and they were always killing it, and they were super hard on themselves. Right. I because they're that. good people. But, but they, they'd always be like, man, we were terrible tonight. I'm like, you guys were on fire. It was insane. Everybody that was here was like, this is the best band in LA. See, that's my type of musician ilk, the aware musician who knows they could have done better and that they fucked up that B-sharp in the third yeah. chorus. I thought of Missing Teen, Future Ghost is the East Side's best-kept secret for a long time. And it also, ultimately, I feel like led to me having that hit in my late 20s where I'm like, I really want to play punk again. Like, right. If not like straight punk, like I played in high school. Like I played punk in high school, and I never got a chance to do it like the right way, like post- artistically, like, yeah, creatively, like post punk. Right. You know? right. I'm like, I can do that, and I want to do that again. And this is getting like I was feeling something when I'd see a missing teen show, and that was a big part of like going to the facial facial land that I went to. You, uh, you know, man, that's a really good point. Like I feel like that's also why you and I are sitting here doing a pod is because we both. 
just so intuitively and inherently want to play punk, but we it's have so, to I put hate, a spin on it. I hate to bring it up again, but the uh, that writer I like, Ian Cohen, he said that people go through a musical rumspringer of from, course. from college to age 28. It makes sense. Where yeah. you just, you go, you touch every angle and you try everything. Right. And you listen to all this electro and like right. stuff that opens your mind. Yeah. And you take a bunch of drugs and you love everything. And then you hit 28 and you're like, I just want to listen to what I was to in high school again. Exactly, <laughs> which is what we're still going through right now, you yeah. and I. Yeah. And, you know, just just you want to hear better forms of it. And I feel yeah. like there was a big, anyway, punk resurgence and brings us to the next one. My number six, this would be around 2014, 15 with Fakers. Uh I can't wait for you to give me more history about this band than I even need because I remember seeing Faker shows and obviously out of all the bands you've been in that I've seen and been a fan of, this was the strangest one because it was a super group and no one knew that it was a super group. <laughs> right, we did though. Right, you. Like, oh yeah, you guys certainly did. By super group, it basically meant at least one of us had the booking contact <laughs> no, of like the local clubs. It was Travis from Piebald. It was Joey from Henry Clay. People. Joey and Andy. Oh, they were both in the band. That's yeah, right. They're brothers. The brothers of Henry Clay people. Ben from Summer Darling and you my ass. and yours truly. <laughs> yeah. Um. So my notes here say, did fakers happen? I don't know. And can Cam swim? Because that was also a question I think that was coming up a lot during fakers. Joke's on them. <laughs> one, one day somebody uh, somebody posed the question, who in fakers do you think couldn't swim? Like if there was someone And it was who, you. Everybody unanimously agreed immediately. <laughs> and then we played an Echo Park Rising shirt where Ben... Stood up and very publicly took off a sweatshirt where he had a shirt that just Sharpie said, Cam can't swim. <laughs> All the fakers' shows seemed like oh, this like man. fever dream where everybody was kind of in on the joke right. and just loving it. Of course. You could tell that from the audience, by the way. I As think I, I say, it was five lead guitarists with nothing to lose. Absolutely. Because we also all had other projects yeah. that we honestly, and this was to our detriment, had our heart and more. I was really falling in love with Facial. Uh, Joey was freaking... Joey and Andy were kind of going back to school after right. Henry Clay, and Fakers was just kind of like a way to keep playing music. Right. Ben was doing Q&Q really heavily, right. and Travis was still doing Past Haunts and generally getting sick of Los Angeles. Yeah. So, like, we were all kind of, like, one foot in. We were never one foot out, but we were always one foot in, which made Fakers kind of not everything it could have been. Like, Fakers could have been the the craziest, most insane band. Which is crazy because this song stickers. Yeah, I mean, this song, I just fucking love this song. Can Joey we, came in with this song pretty much fully formed and we just we just tried not to fuck it up. Let's 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 hit that snippet. Yeah. This was the first time I had heard the song. Oh, no. You guys only put out 
an EP or two. Correct. Three of them. Three EPs. Three EPs. And can you still you can still find those on all the channels? Yeah. Right? Personality voices, uh, sounding the alarmists, and bullshit American garbage. <laughs> so perfect. Yeah. Three EPs within a year. Um, that might have happened. It might have. And you're so right about that because, again, I am genuinely perplexed why that didn't go about 25 leagues further than I mean, it did. It went far in the beginning. Like, we got a residency at the Echo almost immediately. Right. They were just like, oh, from all of All of you sure. guys are together? Because that's what we meant by supergroup. We're a supergroup for the... The local East heads, yeah, residency exactly. Crew. We're right. not a super group in the. That's yeah. ju- that's just what's funny to me. No one knew that there was so much talent packed into one band. Every show was wild, though. It was fucking was insane. Something. Like we played Echo Park Rising one year on that main stage at like two p.m. and Ben got out there to play the first song and opened the la- the free Lassen's water bottle and talked about how Lassen's sucks because they're homophobic. Yeah, because they're homophobic. Yeah, right, yeah. Poured the water out and threw it. Like and the Lassen stand was like looking at us like, are you guys fucking joking? <laughs> and then dude from a, a dude, one of the like stock workers in Vons brought us a free case of water. Hell yeah, Vons! It was fucking awesome. Hell yeah, Echo Park. There Vons. was a, it was politically charged. I mean, we were we got crazy drunk and we just ran into each other on stage. It was a wild. Thing. I remember one show specifically at that Thummy Guys warehouse. You know that thumb that I'm talking about? What's uh there was a where uh, I remember that was specifically because it was the weekend <laughs> I quit smoking. Like I quit smoking cigarettes. Right. And then we booked that show. And I was like like I had I had when I quit smoking cigarettes, it was very planned. Like to the day, it was like you have to. My thirtieth birthday, I quit smoking. Right, and it happens, dude. I, I made sure I didn't work for five days, so I wouldn't be at a bar. How virtuous! Yeah, and then I was like, I, I have I have a full week where I'm home. I'm just gonna keep relaxed. I'm not gonna think about it. Don't and talk like, to anyone. Hey, we're playing a warehouse show for Blind Blind Tiger on Saturday. <laughs> oh, it's gonna it was a be Blind crazy. Blind Tiger show. That's right. Yeah. Cam, oh, you can yeah. DJ too if you want. Everybody, you could smoke inside there. It's a warehouse. <laughs> I'm like, and I got through it. I did it. But uh, how man, perfect. Like I just, but yeah, that was a party. I, I forgot that was the Blind Blind Tiger show, and that's yeah. when Blind Blind Tiger still had a lot of promise. To well, it. Fakers yeah. was crazy busy that summer. I mean, I remember the next day we played Lobster Fest. Lobster Fest? Lobster Fest in San Pedro. They have Lobster Fest and they have bands and it's very awkward. I'm sure. Because people are just eating lobster while you play. It was the middle of the afternoon and we got our monitors (laughs) turned off because uh, Ben once again did a little bit of a rant against Trump and swore a bit. Damn. And they came in our floor monitors. They're like... (laughs) Uh, sorry, the uh, PA is off you, and, until you guys stop swearing and and saying st- political stuff. Oh my and we're god, like, uh, lame! And poor Travis was in a full lobster costume. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Now that's the punchline. Just, just with a bass guitar on, just being like, this sucks now. Also, like, that Ben was ranting about our lobster president, like that's just incredible. This was even before Trump got elected. Oh wow, he was already going off. He was already he was prescient, dude. dude but. He, that's the thing. We gave Ben a platform every fake show to just <laughs> just be go off him yeah. to his very core. And yeah. It was awesome. I mean, you we guys all were, just went. You guys were all nuts. very you in that band. Yeah. yeah. Then then facial started being a lot more serious, and we had our best tour in 2016, obviously with uh, War Paint. Right. Um, that was a 2016 tour. That was the face paint tour. Yes. Right. Yeah. Uh, 
yeah, um, fall of 2016. Um, I remember the best when, tour I've ever had. I remember when you guys got that tour. I cursed you for about 48 hours. Oh, like, which friend of mine damn. didn't? Yeah. Oh, dude. Oh, everyone. Dude, was everybody so was upset. so pissed. Yeah. We were actually supposed to go on a tour with Jenny Lee, the bass player of Warpaint Side right. Project. But it ended up getting shelved because it was a really snowy winter and tickets weren't crazy. And we're like, we're just going to hurt ourselves. Yeah. Like, it's not worth doing. Right. Like, a New England tour in mid-February. That's a really dangerous thing to do. Yeah. So we were really bummed then initially, but we just kept pushing as facial. You know, we were just like taking all the good shows that we could, uh, getting our name out there. And then it ended up coming. The Good Karma came around when Warpaint released their third album. Um, and they were like, Yo, you guys want to go on the North American? And we're like, fuck. No, we don't. And it aligned right with a, there was a week off that Piebald was doing a reunion tour, Travis right. from Fakers. Yeah. And we got on that too. So we just went on tour wow. for full North, North American. And weren't you touring in your Jeep? We did that whole, yeah, that's in my notes right here. It says Steppenwolf. <laughs> just, just so everyone knows, Cam used to drive a murdered out, blacked out Jeep by the name of Steppenwolf. Shit, I'd still have it if this pandemic didn't take it from me. It my was lease a, was up and I couldn't buy it. It was a Wrangler, by the way. Just I mean, so it was you way too cool. It's, it was nasty. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, we got Steppenwolf and we toured in that bad boy, put the drums in Warpaint's trailer and just cruised around like total Gs. That's the way to do it. It was amazing. That's like a 90s rap video on the road for two months but every night we'd go to merch we'd try as much to sell we because we, we could crush merch of course but whenever they would play this song um the first song on their second album uh called keep it healthy this song this song's beautiful i would rush out and i'd be like i got it i gotta watch i gotta watch keep it healthy have to I have to yeah so let's hear it yeah Some of the most talented musicians I've really ever are. seen live, and by far <laughs> the most talent. No offense to anyone, but the most talented musicians I've toured with. Like, yeah, definitely. Stella, the drummer. Stella is and Jenny's toward. chemistry. Every is a night touring section. with them, I'm like, I'm gonna pick. I'm like T Teresa tonight. I'm just gonna watch what she does. Right. Like on guitar, vocally, like with her pedals, with her vocal processors. Like, or tonight I'm gonna watch Emily and her sampler work and her guitar work. I'm going to watch Jenny Groove tonight. It was insane because they, they just, until you really, they it all forms this beautiful piece of music, but when you watch it individually. Right. And they design it that, that way live too. It's like four corners of a stage. Yeah. Almost. I really like the stage setup. Yeah, you can just kind of take an element of it and really watch it. And a couple of memorable parts from like the touring with them, uh, 2018 Desert Days. Uh, I got to watch that them side stage, and they played right before Tame Impala, who got rained out, and they shut down the festival that night. But Warpaint got the beautiful full lit moon, rainy night oh. set, and I just was I got side stage right behind Stella, just watching her kick foot. It's incredible. Just being like, no, her rhythms. How no, did she do that? There's no yeah, way that that's no not way. how that works. Right, exactly. <laughs> there's no way people can't do that. Just, just yeah. stoned out of my mind watching a kick foot side stage in the rain. I was God, just like, this no, is No, that's some glory day shit. Right yeah, there. I mean, 
times with war parents, and they're the sweetest fucking people. Yeah, you know, it was just. I mean, I can't, I can't say enough about about good people like that. And my favorite show from the face paint tour was DC at the nine thirty club. At nine thirty, I I think it's probably my favorite show of my life. So cool. Far. That's a fun question, and that's a difficult question to narrow down unless it is one of those shows that will live in infamy. There in wasn't your heart a, forever. as far as I remember, there was not a wrong note right. that show. You yeah, know, there wasn't there wasn't a misstep. Everybody, all three of us were in tune. Right, every move we made, everything we said to the crowd hit. It just felt. It's good. those shows are few and far between. Sometimes, yeah, yeah. Um, and then okay, so number eight. Um, I feel like. You and me both talking a local scene, even though we start around 2009. It'd be unfortunate if we did not bring up the one band, the Silver Sun pickups. Exactly, the one that like really helped reinstate LA in a See, major if you ask, way. Again, if you ask Ben Haywood, Silver Sun pickups were the band at the end of the glory days. But to me, being somebody who never lived in LA, right. lived in Arizona, going to school of when course. Carnivos came right. out, yeah, yeah, I was like. Silver Lake is the shit. It's the it's the it's epicenter. where Silver Sun pickups exactly, is. and then they l- just made like the Smashing Pumpkins album that the Smashing Pumpkins can't make exactly. Anymore. Right. Recently, that album came up on my listening, where randomly my Google Sheets tells me what records I'm going to listen to. Right. There's not a lot of albums that have a midsection like that first Silver Sun pickup for album. sure. Yeah. I mean, from Future Foe scenario to Wasted On to Lazy Eye, yeah, the big hit to Rusted Wheel. Lazy Eye was a big hit. That was their. That's their big hit. Their gotcha. biggest hit. I mean, they've had they've had a, a number of hits. You know. Yeah. Since then, but they were like the Silver Lake band. They were. Me. They were untouchable, and they were on such a hot streak for so long. Brian first saw Vonna Prosta play at the Glass House at oh, this, cool. this, this show in 2010. We played called Silver Lake in Pomona. <laughs> wow. And it was like us and Future Ghost, Missing Teen, White Arrows, all the oh, kind of. White Arrows, yeah. I can't believe we haven't had a White Arrows drop yet. Yeah, t- crazy. Oh. That took. We're doing everything. That, that took hours for us to talk about. I almost White put Arrows. a White Arrows song. <laughs> I almost put Get Gone on here. Nice. That's a banging tune. Um, yeah, and. and Brian, I saw Brian when I walked out to have a smoke, and he was like, yo, you guys killed it. And I was like, what? What did you just say to me? <laughs> and now I know Brian. He's a super awesome guy. And, of course. Uh, I have to put him this late because they randomly needed somebody to play the Ace Theater in 2017. That's weird. I feel like I got a call about that gig. Interesting, because I was on my way to work, and Ben hit me up uh, and was like, hey, does Facial want to play with Silver Sun Pickups next week? Funny, because around the same time you were getting that call, mm. I also got a call. That's that's where we bring into, uh, and it was foreshadowed, the beef we've never talked about. Oh, there is an actual beef. Because... I was told later after we accepted the show, and me and Jay and Sam were like, uh, "High five, guys! We just got a Silver Sun pickup show at the Ace, at the Ace Theater. Theater, right? Because they just 
Apparently, somebody asked Brian, they're like, hey, do you guys want an opener? And Brian was like, oh, get facial. Yeah. And we were like, we were notified. Immediately. <laughs> but apparently. Huh, what happened? Apparently. And this might be lore as well. The dead ships <laughs> were wrangling for that show pretty hard. You know what's really funny is that here's here's the beef. Here's what's going to settle this beef So what did you hear? Uh, here's, again, this will settle this beef. Um, I had quit the band. I had quit the Dead Ships uh, months before. I told them I would play one last show. We had a headlining show with the Moroccan for a single release. And I had quit the band, and I said, I'm not practicing with y'all anymore. This has gotten way too unhealthy. I'll play that last show with you guys, and then I'm fucking out. So I played that last Moroccan show, right? I get out. I'm feeling free, emancipated. I don't have to deal with these motherfuckers. <laughs> I should have hit it. Sorry, I'm lighting this joint. It's funny that I hit the sample on. I just knew how dark it was going to get. Anyways, so I play that last Moroccan show, and all of a sudden, this quote unquote prospect for this Silver Sun pickups Ace Theater show comes up, and my jackass manager hits me up, and he's like, You need to play this last show. You owe it to the band. You owe this. And I said, Absolutely not. I don't give a fuck if it's opening for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ at the Hollywood Bowl. I'm not playing this show. I I kept my word with the last headlining show at the Moroccan, and I'm not going to play this show. And then it was a bunch of back and forth for like two hours about a, what a terrible, selfish person I am. And then, boom, it came through. That facial got the gig. <laughs> and I was the happiest fucking person you've ever seen in your entire life. Not only because I loved facial and you guys deserved every gig that you got, uh, but because I didn't want to play that last gig, and I was going to be really upset if it came through. I didn't care if it was opening for Silver Sun of the Ace. I didn't want to fucking play it. So that's going to squash our beef right now. Damn it. So you can no have beef. A, you can have a beef with the rest of the band, certainly. I don't think the rest of the band was mad. I think it was just your manager, I heard. Oh, yeah. And I, In fact, I saw him at the hi-hat, I feel like, a week later, and he kind of brushed by me. Nice. <laughs> yeah, he had a way of... <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we're getting after the same thing. Okay. Yeah, we really so are. So moving on. Um, so Facial was playing a lot more after that 2016 tour, 2017, 18. We were just gigging, kind of like getting where we could headline our own shows. Right. Um, Which I saw a couple of those shows, and they're always incredible. Hi-Hat, Echo. Right. Yeah. I mean, I have to call out the Hi-Hat in that part of the Glory Days. Right. Brit's Hi-Hat. Oh, my God. We had so much fun at that I mean, venue. that is... You can't. I mean, you can't talk about the Spaceland and then not talk about, about Brits, the, Brits right. era. Brit Wits, the hi hat, you know, was a I mean, very specific from basically when the doors opened to basically when it just started to shit hit the fan a little. I mean, bit. we we played shows as there as soon as they would let us. Absolutely, you know? we us like, too. Yeah, and same with like Zebulon, like right. like these late glory days. I feel like those two venues come to mind more than Spaceland. The Echo still because somewhat, everyone got pushed out of like you Silver said the Lake Moroccan Lounge. Like there's these new venues popping right. up in these late glory days. Right. So I started to feel like there was like also a lot of like minded people that were in their early 30s in LA and wanted to get heavy again. Right. Like so I was playing with bands like you know Q and Q for sure. We were playing with Moaning. We were playing with Moaning. Um, fucking Barrows. Yeah, Barrows. Like Barrows was fantastic. And then this band Jagged Baptist Club. <sighs> Uh, originally was Test, right? And we played with Test a bunch, and um, this band Clear. Uh, just all these bands that were getting heavy and dark, 
and it was really inspiring to feel like there was a new group of a, of a scene similar a to the whole new the early the early Spaceland one. Right. And yeah, Jagged Baptist Club was a huge band. They were kind of a new partner band with Facial for a little while. Absolutely. I can't say enough good things. I know we've talked about our Jagged Baptist Club love yeah. pretty frequently on this pod over the past year, but now we're on it. He feels like Jonathan Richmond from The Modern Lovers on Speed. Yeah. That's what Blake <laughs> feels like on stage, and I can't love that any more than I, I do. I, yeah. I can't be at those shows unless I'm ready to like go Move. full bore. Exactly. And like I don't even care. Like I've been at test and jagged shows where I'm like the crowd's kinda like doing the LA Whack. cross arm thing. And, you can't escape. And I'm just it. kinda like I'm like on that slow tip of like I might start moshing if you don't get out of my way. I'm just doing a slow crawl. You're doing the shoulders. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm oh, just yeah. crawling from like each end of the stage and I'm just like I'm gonna get I'm it's gonna, gonna get loose. It's gonna happen. <laughs> uh Jagged Baptist Club is obviously towards the latter years of this yeah. glory day segment for you. And I saw them once at the hi-hat as test. We were talking about that classic LA rebranding, such as yeah. Vana Prasta to Sundrug, test to Jagged Baptist Club. I mean, um, that test album, though, I mean, Jagged Baptist Club's album is awesome. That Another first, great chain letter release. Right. That that shelved test album, though. I mean, I feel that's my scene points right there. I know that test album. Maybe. You do know that test oh, album. Fuck, I love that. I test haven't album. listened to it. Is it great? It was amazing. But also, Josh Boyd in that band is a huge Twin Peaks guy. He has oh, a yeah. Twin Peaks podcast. We're probably going to eventually have him. We on. have to and have him. And Blake on. from Jagged was supposed to be our next guest before the pandemic hit. Ooh, so we're going to have remember. I remember him texting me about one year ago today being like, so I guess we should push this a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah, right. We're going to have to make good on our word. Yeah. So uh, eventually he will be on the pod. Uh, so to end things off here. You're, of course, going to be even more self-gratifying. I need one more. I haven't heard myself. You before. haven't heard yourself in a while. Since that faker song. Ladies and gentlemen, the sultry voice post-punk king of Los Angeles has now had, I'm sorry, one, two, three. This will be your fourth installment over uh, both lists yeah how do you feel about about that i feel good about i mean i feel like that's only that's a position reserved for someone who's been gigging in los angeles for 30 plus years it's a fifth of this yeah (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but yeah i wanted to put giant waste of man's last track from our our first album uh all my friends are batshit crazy because of two things one it kind of sums up what we're talking about. Yes, it I does. mean, you don't move to Los Angeles and just try to do, essentially try to be a rock star unless you're somewhat fucking nuts. You have problems. Right. You have irreparable emotional damage. Absolutely. Yeah. And I've made friends with a bunch of wonderful fucking people that all have that same problem. 
But also, Giant Wasted Man is my project now, and I'm in the middle of making an album with him. So it also feels like there could be some glory days on the horizon. With I think there group. are, especially with the two songs that you played me a couple of weeks ago as a preview to your new record. So guys, I wanted to feel like there is maybe, maybe it's not all over, you know? It's not all over. Again, guys, Cam... I forced Cam to show me a couple of new songs. You're the and, only one that's heard them, by the and way. And be on the lookout for new Giant Waste of Man because I have never heard shit like this before in my life. Um, and there are more glory days, my friend. This is only just beginning for you. You're going to catch your 17th wind. Is it, is it too much if I just play this one out and that's how play we Play the whole... It? Yeah, why don't we just end on this tune? I mean, it's supposed to be an end, you know? It's perfect. It. You're right. It encapsulates everything. Um, it ha we've talked about Ben so much. We've talked about you more than we've talked about anyone. So I'm sorry. it's, it's only shit. appropriate. I loved your dead shit. Oh, song. dude, get I'm, out of here! Nah, you know on. I'm fucking with you. Okay. I say that this is a great place to end. If you've said your piece and we've had a good time traversing the. hopeful i've felt at the end of one of these you, you know, know what this is great yeah i don't feel depressed and like that my entire soul's been sucked out of my brain because we've been talking for nine hours this is a good one and this is where we end with all my friends are bad shit crazy i love it I'll, we'll see you next time for the modest mouse episode oh shit it's gonna be that's gonna be real tense yeah you gotta say goat parade out should i say it again should i try another cam? i would love a, a little bit less austrian yeah what was that okay let me try okay Go parade out. It's still that was the Austrian. Exact same okay, one. hold on, hold on. Go parade out. That was way worse. <laughs> one more time. Here we go. This is the, this is the quintessential can. Go parade out.